At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our warmest gratitudes go out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindler. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody, and I hope you're having a crikey good day. We're back with another exciting episode of Coco Talk. This week, we bring you the world premiere of the latest game from Nicholas Marentes. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We made mocked, but we will never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. <laughs> Crikey, have we got a great show for you today, boys and girls. Unfortunately, it's being hosted by me, but other than that, there's lots of great people and content here on the program oh, this afternoon. The there we go. There goes the ratings. We've got a great panel. We are going to start in the top of the panel on the bottom of the world, but he likes to say crikey a lot. He's got a cat named Neo, knows a few things about music. We call him David O'Connor. Good day, David. Hello, hello. Neo says hello to Hello, right. Neo. And from O Canada, in the Great White North, our news anchor. It is L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the program, Curtis. Good afternoon or evening or morning, depending where in the world you are, to everybody. Absolutely. Playing Rally SG, the hoster and streamer of the past few weeks, talented individual. We know him as Rob Inman. Welcome to the program, Rob. Borga, borga, borga. Crikey. Good day, mate. <laughs> He's got the borga, borga, borga in the background he there. He certainly does. This person is best known for saying... Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. Legendary game designer and all-around decent human being, Rick Adams, joins us today. Rick, welcome. Hello, 
hello everyone. He's got an axe. He's got a flannel shirt. He lives in a garage. It's Ron Devil. <laughs> hello everybody. Our backup streamer and engineer and all-around best-dressed dude, Mark Bose, is with us. Hello, everybody. He knows the way to San Jose, and he likes it. It's Mikey, Michael Furman. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's doing fantabulous. The music man, Brian Schubring, is with us today. How's your voice today, Brian? My voice is doing just fine. You know, I could say I'm on bar zoom above the city of helium, but okay. no squeaky okay. today. <laughs> Best known for his voice acting career and the famous line. Stop right there. Jason, the Coco Man Riker joins us. Oh, Stevie, I'm ready to go. I've got my magnifiers. <laughs> I've got my diet Dr. Pepper. I've even got some water to go along with that. All right. I even have Rocky the Cat here today. All right. You are you are ready to go, sir. I'm ready. I've covered all bases. There we go. One of our special guests today, the madman himself, Simon Jonason, joins us. Hello, Simon. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Stevie. Um, yeah. Thanks for being here. We have something special to show off from Simon in just a moment or two. A man whose name is so nice we must say it thrice, and he never gets tired of hearing it. It's none other than... How you doing, Nick? Ah, uh, keep bringing it on. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing well, thank you. Nick, I'm just I, kidding. I don't know what it is, Nick, but you get better looking every time I see you. Don't ever oh, change. Well. You are, you are. Matter of fact, uh, just for those who don't know, uh, he's best known as our dreamy hunk. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, not only is he on the cover of uh, Teen Star magazine, but he's also a smooth Canadian. It's Nick Marotta. So just don't ever forget that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he dream. You know, it he is, is hard to see that picture of me and her because I, I had to dump her, right? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brings back Peter's throwing memories. salt in that wound, aren't that you? That is. That is. That is. Rick Eulens with us. How you doing, Rick? Well, a quick story. Um, my new 3D printer came with traditional test cat printout, which I printed during yesterday's show. And, and uh, when is that? I is that a, uh, a mascot for our show? Okay, it is a. It looks a, like a mushroom with a beard. A, a cat whose head has exploded. A cat <laughs> whose head has exploded. Okay, that's like most of our viewers actually. It's not really coming out through, but uh, that's what was on my printer after the show. So All new right. mascot here. Far out. Alan Murphy joins us. Welcome, Alan. Howdy, howdy. That kind of seems appropriate. The cat whose head has exploded or a dumpster fire. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, I want to follow that. Any of the above is applicable to this show. Uh, uh, our very special, special guests are um, the bell of the ball, if you will, the debutante of today's show who will be showing off his latest wares. Nicholas Morenti joins us from Down Under. Welcome, Nick. Good day, everyone. Oh, I, I was expecting the David Ladd section first. <laughs> he's before me on the list. <laughs> yeah, well, we always save the best for last. But uh, Nick's another guy who likes to say. Oh, crikey. And we'll be showing off uh, some uh, some something that Nick's done. I, I think Nick, so apparently what's happened is Nick has got done counting all of his money. And he's set up all his Swiss bank accounts. And now he's like, what can I do? To get yet another Ferrari. So we'll find out what's going to put a new car in Nick's garage later in the program today. A guy who likes to collect things and make us all jealous, Brian Weasler's with us. Hello, Brian. 
Hello, all. How are you doing? We're doing just wonderful. A guy who's best known for saying... David Ladd! Uh, well, not for saying that. Actually, what does he say? This is what he says. He says... Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. That's what he says. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to... David Ladd! And David, the question on everyone's mind is... Are you excited to be here today? Why, yes I am, Stevie. Is everybody else ready to see the rest of the show and see how it goes? I certainly am, because today we've got two interesting demos, another conversation to see what's been going on with software. Oh yeah, baby. Let's get this show rocking and rolling. And I'm taking that Dr. Pepper all right, David. That's... <laughs> and can you put that software on floppy? Yeah. And since Mark Overholzer is not here, I will go ahead and put on the uh, glasses that allow me to see into the future. I do have an Apple behind um, me, too. So the role of Mark D. Overholzer today is being played by your temporary host before they fire me, Stevie Stroh. Welcome to the program. Um, let's get this train wreck rolling. And so why don't we go ahead and Simon Jonathan is here. I've got something of Simon's that we're going to show off. And uh, Simon, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself, please do. And David, you were supposed to remind me to do something. What were you supposed to remind me to do, David? To unmute Un MAME, right? Unmute MAME. Okay. So we're going to unmute MAME because it was creating some humminy dummy noises. All right, Simon, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? Simon, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, can. Let me spotlight you. I have to do this. Um, I'm doing this semi-wonkily at this point now because I've changed my PC setup. I no longer have um, three screens. Oh, there we go. There's Simon's wonderful do. I'm liking the do. Looking really tray uh, pointy. Uh, and so now what we're looking at right now is this is one of Simon's um, demos on a disc. And if you recall, Simon was with us a few weeks ago. He was talking about how he came up with his own <laughs> custom interleaving for putting the data across the disc where it's loading in a very efficient, continuous manner. And um, other than that, Simon, what would you like to say or what should I do at this point? Mm. What would I like to say? I'd like to say it's an unfinished demo right now. I just wanted to show you a bit of progress for what I've done. Um, uh, the thing going on the screen is only 10 colors, so I've got a lot to overlay and stuff like that. And the disc actually loads about 13 tracks, so literally 60K. But you can just hear the way the head steps, like doop, 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 doop. It is the bomb. That's why it's on there. All right. So, so, yeah. so should I go ahead and type in DOS now as the, yeah, as the screen is asking me to do here? All right. So this is in MAME. And if you know anything about MAME, its access to the <laughs> floppy is actually slower than real floppies. So if this seems fast to you now, it would be even faster on real hardware. So we're going to go ahead and type in DOS. No signal. <laughs> the virus. Ah! Poltergeist. Don't be scared.
That is pretty cool. And at this point, does it just keep looping? Or is there, does it end at all? It loops for now, it loops for now. But there will be more on that screen. Okay, what I'm gonna do now, just, not that I don't enjoy hearing the sound, but I wanna hear you more. I'm gonna go ahead and mute MAME again. Okay, so that's been muted. We'll switch back to Simon where we can see you. Okay, welcome back, Simon. And uh, what we noticed is well, as soon as I taped in DOS, you heard a quick chuck, chuck, chuck came up, and then another chuck, 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 and then boom, the music was playing and the samples were loaded. So it's loading very, very quickly, which is the beauty of, what, of how you're putting the data on the disk, right? Exactly. And if you saw the original, uh, uh, the initial, if you saw the initial load, um, the DOS, that actually just loads track 34, and that loads in a normal interleave. Um, and, and a track is probably like uh, 4.6k. Uh, I'm only, uh, I mean, the DOS command will actually load the whole track. Uh, I, what you saw on that screen was 2.6k of image and COVID virus and animation and everything. It was 2.6k. That's a lot of visual That's information for not a lot of memory. Exactly. Yeah. Tiny it's running two, uh, 320 by 225. Okay. I've got the kid in the bottom. You've got the kid at the bottom holding the screen. Mm -hmm. And the whole demo is the kid is going to hold the screen. So it's like third person demo. Okay. And it's, it's kind of based around, um, it's kind of based around the whole COVID narrative because a lot of people are, are getting a bit stir crazy because of all the lockdowns and whatever you know. So I just thought I'd bring it to, I bring it to light. So timely. That's timely. cool. That's very very cool. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, uh, the Poltergeist thing with the uh, you know uh, Carol Ann. Uh, holding, you know, yeah, kind of holding the screen yeah. and there's something yeah. inside the screen, you know, so that was kind of in the back of my mind when I saw that, you know. Exactly. So yeah. wait, wait, wait till the subliminals come on. Ah, right now we <laughs> saw right now we saw the bliminal, but later on we'll see the subliminal, right? So um, are, are you going to be causing seizures with these subliminals? That's my question. Uh, I probably put a disclaimer in there. <laughs> not, not necessarily a seizure, but possible thought control. Right, so. <laughs> I probably put a disclaimer in there. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of 1984 right. going on there. <laughs> and there's going to be a, a secret message in there that says, ditch your Commodore, go get yourself a cocoa. <laughs> Literally, um, when the disc loaded, from, from, from when the screen went white until it started animating, it loaded 60K, 13 tracks. And it, I don't know if you heard the heads there. It was like, doo -doo 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 -doo, yeah. That was pretty quick. Yeah, that's impressive. That was quick. How long you been, how long have you been working on that update since we, it was about maybe two three weeks ago when we had you on, or has it been a month already? I don't know. Time flies, but um, yeah, probably about a month. But yeah, but I've not been working on it because I've got so much other stuff going on. You know, um, family business. So you mm -hmm. don't need to know about it. But yeah, I mean that's that stuff. I've been working on like a week just to get it to the point it is. Excellent. And I've got. I've got so many ideas going on about, okay, which can I flash this, that, the other. We're going to talk about, you know, um, uh, mandatory vaccinations. We're going to talk about um, confinement, about um, social distancing, whatever. And at the end of the day, 
my point here is you've got a little kid holding the screen. So, and it's like, what is all this stuff doing to the kid? You know, yeah. social distancing, stuff like that. You know, I mean, yeah. what, what are we doing to, what are we doing to, to the ones that come after us with all this crap that's going on? Right. So it might, it's probably a little bit of a political motive, but okay. not too far out. Interesting. Simon, is it hard to have the, um, that little kid's um, body extend down below the screen? I mean, is that like extra work to do? Or um, No, 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 no. But, but, but it's, it's, it's 322.25. Um, and the kid's, the kid's um, body is in the 225, but that's static. I mean, the actual center of the screen between the two gray lines is 192. So 320 by 192. Okay. And everything happens on that. Um, and the actual image itself that gets depacked, if you if you just work out uh, 320 by 225. Hold on, let me get out my number two pencil here. That's 72K. 220, 225. That's a lot of... Divide it by two because you've got two pixels per byte, so it's 36K of image. Yeah. And then you've got about 48K of samples and it's all being loaded in yeah 13 tracks which is 60k so it's all compressed and stuff like that wow so how much of the processors being used do you think at the when this thing's running to play the samples well um the basic footprint to play samples because they are four bit differentials um is about 62 cycles out of 114 at 11 kilohertz. So you're probably using about 60% 60 CPU to play the samples. Yeah, it looks really cool. Ooh, like is, this, the whole, is the whole final demo going to fit on one disc? Is that your goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so, will there be any um, female nudity in this demo? Uh, <laughs> only, if only if requested by Shadow. <laughs> uh, we got to have a different theme for each demo. Okay. Only, Very cool. only if requested by 50 plus Shadows. <laughs> uh, very cool. So, uh, so, Simon, is it loading it all into memory first, or is it actually displaying it as it's reading it off the disk? No, it's. Um, I, 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 I thought about maybe just um, fiddling the MEU registers and loading it into memory and stuff like that. But I was like, well, no, because then I'd have to have something that was uncompressed and it would fill too much disk. Right. So basically, the first thing you see when you type DOS is 2.6K being loaded. It's actually 4K because of DOS actually loading the whole track, track 34. But only 2.6K is loaded or, or used. Um, and then you've got the animation with the COVID stuff and shit like that. Yeah. And, and it just goes white, like you've turned on the TV and mm -hmm. it, it loads the disc and it just loads 60K and it loads right from 200. It loads right from 200, like. Um, so, yeah. And then. The image itself is decrunched first, where I shift out the MMU registers so I can decrunch the the image to the upper 64K or 
sorry, on a 128k box is actually the lower 64k from zero. Um, and I switched back the MMU registers because the the gimme or the gime, I call it the gime, will take care of itself because that can access all memory. That will take care of itself. Um, and then I switched back what was the RAM and I overwrite, I, I decrunch the samples and overwrite what was actually written to the screen. Now, once what we're looking at now is this just palette shifting palette registers to animate the colors? Yes, it's palette register shifting, and but it's beating to the music. Yes, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the samples and beating to the music, but it's palette register shifts. The actual, um, the little guy holding the screen, mm -hmm. and the top and the bottom are, are you know, because it's black at the top, so it's 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 two twenty five. High, but it's emulating like 192. Okay. Because I wanted his shadow in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of look. It kind of looks like he transcends beyond the programmable space. Like he's uh, he's more than the screen, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So he's actually holding the screen. It's like a, a kind of an illusion. Kind yeah, of thing. kind of a fourth wall thing where he's he's outside of the demo. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole point. It's like a third-person demo kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah, no, that's it cool. Keep, it keeps the demo looking like widescreen and modern, too, 16 yeah. by 9. Yeah. No, that's neat. So with the palette shifting that uh, Stevie mentioned there, and you said it's going to the music, is the program doing something to read the music, or did you have to kind of put the palette shifting sequence into play yourself or no, program I'm, it in? The, I'm actually taking – because uh, when I – when I um, do the four-bit differentials, I've got a number. I've got a number of what should be added to the next. If you understand the concept of four-bit differentials, which every, um, everyone should, I try to explain it. Doesn't everybody know that? I mean, well, actually, well, actually, um. <laughs> I, I try. I try I even took off my glasses so I don't look so nerdy. <laughs> well, I understand it now. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can I can hear you better now that you've taken off your glasses, too. So. Oh, thank you very much, Stevie. I love you, I too. can't hear a thing without my glasses. So, Simon, how much more are you going to be able to add? Or maybe um, I we have will, a lot of space on the disc left? Uh, there's plenty of space left on the disc. I, I'm only using the first literally using track 34 for the DOS and I'm using the first 13 tracks for the part you have now so literally I've got over half a disc left so uh, Simon the uh, the 4-bit um, 4-bit sound there that's like uh, Microsoft ADPCM sort of sort of it, it is, it is it, it's my it's my take on on ADPCM it's my yep. take on ADPCM what I'm actually doing is, if you take, if you look at a waveform, if you look at a waveform, um, and it works better, it works better um, with higher frequency, with higher frequency samples, because your waveform is not going to vary. If you look at a waveform, just take a sinus or something like that, yeah? Uh -huh. For every single sample, which is a point in time, it's only a point in time, 
it's not going to vary very much from one to the next. And the faster the sample rate, it's going to vary less and less and less. It's kind of rude, isn't it? No, no, it's all right. I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's going to vary less and less and less. So I just chose 11.5 kilohertz, you know, 11.025 hertz. Um, yep. To get a decent quality. I mean, given Nyquist, given Nyquist, you're only going to get about half of that rate. So it's about five, five kilohertz. Yeah, five and a yeah, half. Yeah, five and a half kilohertz. Yep. Um, which is which is the actual frequency you can hear. Um, because if you want to go higher than that, you're going to be eating all your CPU. And you're not going to be able to do anything at all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but the four-bit differentials, you basically just take a sample. You take a sample, and you analyze the sample, and you say, okay, from one value to the next value, what's the difference between it? Right. So it might go, oh, it's only one. Oh, no, that might be five. That might be seven. That might be nine. Okay. And to have it in four bits, you need to have minus eight plus seven given two's complement. Yeah? Everybody write Just, that down. Minus seven plus no, eight. Minus eight. Minus <laughs> eight. Minus eight. Okay, minus eight plus seven. Everyone yeah. take out their scientific calculators. <laughs> <laughs> My okay. slide rule is better. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. I understand the message. Just leave it where it is. <laughs> <laughs> Make out your number two pencils. <laughs> no, no, no. Fine. I was just going to try and explain it simply, and it didn't work. So let me just leave it. So you're basically your number is basically determining the the, 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 the how quickly the the, um, the the voltage changes in a yeah. specific amount of time. Basically, you're taking one sample. You're saying, okay, that was plus four. So right, I'm just going to add four to the values in the duck already. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So rather than doing the raw where you have to send an eight bit or a six bit number in our case, you know, for every single sample. Exactly. Because so a real wave yeah. doesn't jump all the way up and down the entire scale or very rarely unless you want white noise. You're halving yep. the footprint of the sample by using a four bit differential. So, so if you this... had a sample that was eight K, it would become four K because you just use differentials to do it. That makes sense. So this is kind of like video where you have a keyframe and then you do difference, 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 difference. Exactly. Yeah, similarly. Yep. 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 Yeah. Okay. Now, are you using are you using just uh, like literally minus eight to plus seven, or do you have it as a scale thing? Like I think ADPCM does. But mind well, you, um, that would be my take on ADPCM. That would be my take on ADPCM because normally ADPCM would use a table of, okay, this is minus 8 or this is plus 7, so I better add 15. Um, and I'm just saying, okay, fine, instead of doing that, I will add subsequent samples till I get to the correct value. So, but you're not hearing the lag. It's like if, if you needed to add 16 to the previous sample, you would add 7, 7 to get to 14, then you add 2. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense, too, because the Coco only has a 6-bit DAC, so you don't really need to have all the scaling, like ADPCM is working with 16-bits, so you might have to jump, you know, 150 type exactly. things. So they, they scale it, so like plus 1 is plus 1, plus 2 is plus 2, plus 3 is really plus 4, plus 4 is really plus 8, etc. Yeah, but I did that the other way. I said, okay, fine, um, the DAC is the upper 6-bits, yeah? 
But to do that, to do that, to be able to actually add to the upper six bits would fall outside the parameters of um, four bits. You know, of the width, so yeah, width, keep yeah. the sample, keep the sample to the lower six bits, because then the differentials are smaller. And when you output it to the DAC, just shift it left twice. Well, I learned all my mathematics from Schoolhouse Rock and the Beatles. I always remembered that one and one and one is three. Um, so, uh, got to be good looking. Got to be so good looking because it's so hard to see. Oh, yeah. Come together now. Come uh, together right now. <laughs> and I also know that a, a, noun, a noun is a person, place, or thing. And uh, conjunction, junction. So, um ah, cool. Yes, cool. There's lots, of, there's lots of funky things going on that... Uh, most average spuds won't see, won't get. How about I run it one more time? We're gonna we'll take it from the top. This time with feeling. Uh, is there a way to ex, is there a way to exit out of the emulator? Um, uh, Reset. Uh, uh, in Mame. F three. All right, so we're gonna try that. Oh, Shift F three. Uh, Shift F three. I'm waiting for my MAME to come back. All right, All right let me let me unmute the MAME sound because because uh, really once once it's playing once it's playing, you just appreciate the fact it's playing. But part of the brilliance of this is how quickly it loads and how the, all you hear is a couple kachunk kachunk kachunks when you when the disc first starts grinding. Let's see if MAME remembered what disc I have in here. Well, how about that directory? Yes, Pretty cool. and look at that bomb. That that directory is the bomb, yo. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to type in DOS and pay attention because you're going to hear a quick chunk, chunk, chunk. And that was loading the 2.6K of information that gets this party started. Look at that. That's really quick. That is super quick. And there's the Rona. So make sure you're wearing a mask. <laughs> we can't see the mask. Yeah, you hear that quick chuck, 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 chuck. That was the loading of 64K worth of samples. And then we just got the boom, boom, boom. The music itself and the demo are obviously impressive, but what's real easy to take for granted is how quickly that loaded. That's part of the magic of this, too, is that chuck, 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 and boom, 64K is running, you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't be scared, everybody. It's just the flu. Nothing to worry about here. Move along. Uh, all right. Hey, um, <laughs> just a, a quick quick question for you, if I've got time there, Simon. Yeah. Um, are you doing any anti-aliasing? In, are you doing that in software, I guess, if you are doing it, or because um, of the Nyquist uh, coming I mean, so yeah. low in the frequency spectrum? Or, um, well. Or is it not need? Not the really samples need themselves to. are 11, 0, 25, Yeah. Oh, so you've already okay. So you've already um, prepared the samples, done all the anti-aliasing there. They're eleven zero twenty-five, and what I did was actually, uh, um, I actually took uh, Audacity, and I would say, okay, fine, you might have something that's out of range here, so let's apply a a um, low-pass filter to it. Anti-aliasing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're getting what you actually need. So, um, um, I mean, uh, for anyone to say this wouldn't be possible back in the day, 
you'd be lying, but it'd be a lot harder than it is today without cross dev. Right, all the tools. That yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it could so have been done. So you've basically prepared the sample first, so you don't have to anti-alias when you're playing it back. Exactly, and that's why I'm getting 64 cycles per sample. And I'd that be using a lot more CPU overhead if you had to do that in real time. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's decrunching the nibbles as well. It's, it's taking, but then the IRQ, to decrunch the nibbles, the IRQ will actually take two paths. So first, you take one value, the 8-bit value, because you've got two 4-bit differentials on each side. You say, okay, this IRQ plays that sample, and this IRQ will actually change the address of the IRQ, so this IRQ will be played next. So the IRQ is feeding itself and changing two different IRQs between themselves and stuff like that to be able to do this in like 64 cycles. That's really clever. So this is mathematical art. No, it's madness. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah, anything coming from Simon is madness. Yeah. Now, is there any is there any self modification taking place during any of this, Simon? Any self modification? I think it's all self modification. <laughs> Simon is the master of self modifying code. Okay, uh, he had me uh, test it out on a couple of my sh machines here, so. I had uh, one on the emulator, one on the real machine playing at the same time, and I recorded it and sent it to him. He goes, you're going to go mad. Hey, Ron, Ron, can you do me a favor? <laughs> can you repeat that whole last line as Ronnie Chong? I've missed Ronnie Chong. He said, he had me playing in uh, one of my machines, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I have to get into it, so it's like calm back in, in an hour, another hour, please. Okay. Ron, <laughs> Ron's not here. Ron's not here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody want a dead mom. Is anyone really ever here? Uh, that's very cool, Simon. Thanks for sharing that with us. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And it loads wicked fast. Wicked. Wicked. Um, as, as Ali G would say, wicked. Yeah. And just remember, you've got the nibble, you've got the nibble, you've got the IRQ, you've got the IRQ, and then you do this, and hey, Macarena. All right, so uh, <laughs> um, so uh, nibble, nibble, IRQ, hey, Macarena. All right, is everybody working on nibble, nibble, FRQ, FRQ? Macarena, it's all good. You're on your own, Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> all I can think, I think a nibble. All I can think is I want some of those like goldfish crackers. Yeah. <laughs> and my head hurts. Uh, I was thinking, I was, th I was thinking of nibble just a little. <laughs> uh, thank, thanks for the explanation about self-modifying too, because I always thought that meant like tattoos and stuff. So. Are we gonna have a commercial soon, man? I think Ron needs a potty break. So Ron, why don't you go ahead and take a potty break? We got, we, we got, got um, a goal, man. All right, Uncle time. Man. Ronnie Chong needs to do that. Go, man. All right, so so real quick, hit, man. All right, so we're gonna take a brief, brief break because coming up after this is Rick Adams, and in honor of Rick Adams, we're gonna celebrate the greatest video game that became the greatest song that became the greatest music video. So enjoy Nightmare Highway, the music video, while Ronnie goes tinkle. Right. <laughs> Got some time to kill, might play a little Zaxxon. Might double back to play a little Temple of Rum. Dungeons of Daggereth, 
color baseball. We should negotiate the world. None can hold candle <laughs> to the greatest of them all. Nightmare Highway. I think if you did that, I think you'd have to pay Stevie Nightmare every time you played it. <laughs> I think you guys are coming out over this, just so you know, but that's okay. Sure, I love my sailor man and firefall. Go on a rampage for some super pitfall. Shanghai me into a game of rogue or demon attack. But sooner or later, you know I've got to come back. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's got a road. And it's got a car. Dodge the furniture and you'll be a pop star. Well, okay, maybe I just stick to the facts. To tell this truth, this game really ain't all that. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. I used to bow down to the Donkey King. Grabber and cash man used to be my thing. Megabug, buzzard bait, sea dragon too. But none of those can satisfy me much as you do. Nightmare Highway. 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 No sound on the stream. Okay, that's because I had muted it during the song, and I guess it stayed muted there. Sorry about that. We're back. We're back, everybody. You didn't miss anything. No, you didn't miss anything. All right, so we've got a guy who's multi-talented, another special guest and special presentation coming up right now. Yeah, Ron. I I can't get that off of my face, man. (laughs) What is he talking about? He's gonna mail his face. Oh, your your pointer's on his face, man. Oh, there it goes. Oh, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. No one uh, can probably see that but him. No, that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> Listen, we're, Ron, we're here for you. We will just pause when you need to pee, and we'll just uh, entertain whatever whimsical <laughs> moment you need to share. Uh, okay, all right. so but, uh, <laughs> it's time to share then. Okay. All right. As so we were going to say share here. about. Uh, oh, I can't share? There we go. There's the mute button. Okay. So... <laughs> We got a special person here joining us now. His name is Rick Adams, legendary game designer Rick Adams. Welcome to the program, Rick. Thank you, thank you. You're you're too kind. Um, so thank you for uh, doing the the bomb threat uh, game on challenge uh, in my absence because I had a, a family thing to to attend. Uh, but we found some interesting things out during that. Uh, Somebody was actually crazy enough to go way into like this, the, to drive the score into the millions, which was uh, Frodo NL. I mean, Frodo, yeah. Yep. And uh, so he found some things, which is uh, the, the level that you're on is supposed to roll over at uh, 256 because it's, you know, an 8-bit number. But it rolled over at 128, and it had a sign problem, and then everything went completely wacky after that. And it got the difficulty would go completely mm-hmm. uh, through the ceiling, and it got to the point where the game was locked up. So he found that, and then the score the score was supposed to roll at 999999, and he found that it rolled at 655350 for reasons that you can probably figure out if you uh, think about for uh, for a little bit. So anyway, I fixed those two bugs, I believe. And uh, now I'm working on combining... Uh, I used to do have two executable files, bomba and bomb.bin. Uh, and uh, those were for... bomba was for if you needed artifacting, and, and bomb.bin is if you didn't need artifacting. So now I'm trying to combine all of them into the same file. So you got one size fits all. So I'm hoping that it'll handle Cocoa one, two, three, composite, RGB, PAL, uh, what you know, artifacting, no artifacting. I'm I'm trying to combine yes, them all together. Yes, P A R S T O. Wait a minute. Whoops. <laughs> TTL. So I'm working on that right now, uh, and then I've got two other things to talk about. Uh, one of them in conjunction uh, with uh, David O'Connor. Uh, but anyway, so Bomb Threat, somebody ordered... Uh, the, the company that I use to make the CDs for Bomb Threat that I'm selling online, uh, they used to ship internationally, and now they don't. I think it has something to do with COVID or some other benighted thing. But in somehow in between when they did ship internationally and when they didn't uh somebody in australia was able to make an order which then couldn't be completed so it's like well what am i what are you going to do so it's like well i'm just going to ship it off to australia myself so i grabbed a cd the only cd that i could find uh that wasn't packed away was you know i had like signed it uh on the outside uh, for sending it to, uh, uh, I was going to take it to uh, Cocoa Fest. Well, that obviously didn't work out. Uh, so I took it down to my favorite shipping company, and I know the owner. So I come in and I do my best Australian accent, which is not very good. Oh, crikey, John, I've got <laughs> to send this off to Australia, you know. And uh, 
so he said, okay, so uh, we're shipping it off to Australia, and uh, how much should I, you know, uh, the amount for the insurance, uh, how much should I give, uh, put for the amount for the insurance? Oh, it's worth about $20. And he says, well, how much would it be if, if, you, if it wasn't signed? And I said, oh, probably $22. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent that off. And uh, so another uh, thing that I sent off to uh, David O'Connor is, uh, David, uh, maybe you put him up instead of me, because uh, he has a tape to show you that I sent to him. It is, I found it among my uh, effects, a uh, very, very old Temple of Rome tape. And uh, so this is a tape that I sent to one of my friends Ooh. when it was in beta testing. Ah. So we were all excited. So it's like, wow, what is on that tape? You know, it's probably an early version before some bugs were fixed. Wouldn't it be fun to read that off and, and compare what's on that tape with the commercial, you know, what's on the commercial cartridge today? Uh, so I sent it off to him. And he made a big show of, of setting up all kinds of settings and figuring out the right equalization and all kinds of audio things that I completely do not understand, but he does. And David, should you, shall you tell them what we found? Well, a uh, little technical thing just first, just a little quick thing. You'll notice on the bottom there, there's no pad, head pad on that tape. Oh, so yeah. you can't be played in a normal deck. The head pad's disappeared, but my... High-end Nakamichi decks don't require the head pad. They've got a head lifter, so it'll play in that. So I thought, great, I can play the tape. Doesn't, I'm not limited by anything there. I'll uh, I'll plug the Nakamichi into the Coco and I'll uh, load up Temple of Rom and uh, we'll have a look and see what we've got. And so uh, I hit the play button on uh, on the Nakamichi and I was waiting for the brr beep brr noise and uh, instead. <laughs> I was greeted with a uh, rather interesting recording from vinyl of uh, Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting Temple of the Wrong and I've got Joy to the Fishes in the Deep Blues. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not Temple of Rom. <laughs> yeah. So, so I learned I two things right away. Which Number one, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. And number yeah. two, <laughs> the collector's uh, value of that tape plummeted dramatically. <laughs> it depends if you're a, a three dog Rick. night fan maybe not <laughs> Rick I have a quick question for you did you send this on April Fool's Day perchance uh, no uh, probably on the on the reverse side was a uh, a friend of mine uh, verbally uh, graphics put, uh, that's graphics. what's written on the reverse side well, yeah, well, that's, not what, that's not what was on it what was on it was no. a friend of mine <laughs> A friend of mine who's a, a college professor uh, reciting a quiz, a, a quiz for one of his classes. Um, so, and he is one of my friends. He was in, you know, sort of in the car, carpool buddies with me, along with Dale Lear back in the day. So he was one of my beta testers. So obviously, I must have sent him the tape. Uh, he used it, and then he reused it for some other purpose, and then he gave it back to me. So that's probably how that got on there. No, I ended up actually playing the whole, just in case, the, the, I thought, well, maybe Temple of Rom's after that or something. Maybe it's on a different spot on the tape. Maybe it's on the other side or something. So <laughs> I, it's, it's like a, it's a 30-minute tape, so it's 15 minutes each side. So I literally played um, both mm -hmm. sides all the way through and listened to the whole tape all the way through. And uh, right. 
unfortunately, not a single computer program on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all we've got, really. Did you, by any chance, try playing it backwards? Uh, number nine. nine <laughs> number <yet>. nine. Rick, <laughs> is, there, is there any way I could subscribe to a uh, music uh, cassette thing with you? Yeah. You're, uh, you get six for 99 cents, and you only have to buy six more in the next six years at uh, $600 per tape. So, uh, but wait, now how much would you pay? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Columbia Tape Club. <laughs> I am Life Coco Music Series. Order now, and you're, you'll start off your collection with Three Dog Nights, Joy to the World. Each right. month, you'll get a new surprise tape in the mail with a song that hopefully the tape will be signed. <laughs> For an additional $5, it will not be signed. <laughs> oh, my. So that goodness. was kind of a disappointment. There's another question uh, I might add. Um, is it possible with your Nekamichi or whatever you call it um, that you could ride the tape through and lift it up and down and get uh, fragments of what might have been? Unfortunately, the way tape physics work is uh, when you record something over the tape, it's basically tape particles of ground up rust. That's basically mm -hmm. what a normal tape is. Um, and every tiny little particle piece of that is a, a, a programmable magnet. Um, and you program it with the heads, putting a current through it, and it'll magnetize certain parts of the tape. So when you magnetize something, and then you go back and you record over it, the erase head um, demagnetizes everything that's on the tape. And then the record head then goes and completely reprograms all those little rust particles. So unfortunately, once you've put an erase current through it and put something new on it, you actually have no um, no imprint whatsoever. On a good deck, you've got no imprint whatsoever of what was on it previously. Um, so so, so your answer, no. no. So there's, it's, right. not, it's not like, like with, it's sometimes like on a hard drive, if you delete a file, you can get it back because they can find mm -hmm. some of the data. On a tape, there's no ghost image that's can faintly underneath there that you can try to resurrect then. It right, depends. If it's on a, on some decks, if if the erase current isn't high enough, you can be left with an imprint of what's on there before. But the other thing with tapes versus hard disks is hard disks are random access devices. So if you write something it's onto not, it, it's not linear access, right? Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Whereas a tape is linear. Yeah. So if you write over something, you've written over the whole lot of it. Yeah. So on a hard drive, you're erasing a specific track, and maybe you can read the edges of that track with a special deal but on a tape the erase head just blasts everything away and yep with extreme prejudice I think if you're the nsa you might be able to pull it off but they probably have a, a bigger budget than we have yeah there's probably if you realign the heads and you put it right to the edge of the tape and had some fancy you know differential right. electronics or something like that you could probably do it but um I, unfortunately, I'm, my setup, right. as sophisticated as it is, it isn't anywhere near that sophisticated. That's not a civilian grade option, right. most likely. Right. So this right. would be a, a definite no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something I saw in Mission Impossible some dun, one time. Remember, a lot of tape decks, they took a physical permanent magnet and shoved it against the tape to erase it. 
and there ain't no getting oh. back from that. <laughs> well, a, lot of the, a lot of the cheap ones did that, yeah, and they made a horrible, you know, low-level hiss on the tape as a result. Right, right, and as Retro Innovations is pointing out, it's not on a disc. It doesn't actually physically or, or mechanically, magnetically erase it. It just marks it as being um, deleted. It doesn't. Yeah, it just really- marks yeah, the, right. uh, the bit yeah. allocation table yeah. or the uh, you know, David, since, since we're talking about tapes and so on, um, has it always been mylar that the tapes were made from, or now do they use something different? Or uh, different companies have used different variations on on the binders uh, and the and the backing. Um, Ampex famously <laughs> now their Ampex four five six is what we all used in the studio back in the day. And uh, there's a problem with the binder and the and the backing material now, where where, where uh, moisture gets into it and it causes what's called sticky shed syndrome. So if you play one of those tapes, it'll gum up your heads and make yeah. a horrible loud squeal and then jam up the whole mechanism and stop. I had that once. My doctor prescribed yeah. a new shampoo and it cleared it right up. So lack of alcohol will fix that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just bake yeah. the tapes. Bake yeah. the tapes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's literally what you do to fix the right. Right, I've heard of put, that before. Yeah, you put it in an oven for eight hours at fifty degrees Celsius, and yeah. it'll give it'll give you the opportunity to to play the tape again, probably once or twice, um, enough to archive it and get all the information off it. So it can be done. And you freeze hard drives. Simon, Simon, you were yeah. trying to say something there. Yeah, we're gonna say something, Simon. Yeah, on a floppy or a hard disk, right? You've got a fat table. You've got a fat table. And the fat table is literally the first sector, and every at least on a PC, every single subsequent sector will have a pointer to the next sector. And what you do when you say, "Okay, Dell, this, that, and the other," you literally just overwrite the fat table, so you can actually you can actually recreate the chain of what would have been there. So as long as you haven't actually ah, right, 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 right. Yeah, of course, of course, hard drives on PCs and diskettes on PCs, you will, of course, overwrite stuff here and there. Mm -hmm. But you can recreate a lot of stuff. um, Because it just marks it just marks the fat as okay, that's deleted. I don't want that anymore. But the actual file itself is still there. Would, Would David Ladd agree with that? It's basically I'm at the sure end of the day that the, 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 the fat is the file allocation table is equivalent of a book with a uh, with a, ta- with a an table of contents. Of yeah. yeah, yeah, table of contents. Yep. So you're changing the table of contents, but the book has still got all the original material until you actually go and rip the pages out and put new pages in it. Exactly. So you ripped out. You ripped out the. You ripped out. Okay, this is chapter seven. You ripped that out, so you can't see it on the table of contents, but it might still be on the disc. In fact, there was a 68K OS SK DOS, Peter Stark, that had no fat table. Each sector was, it was a linked list. So the directory linked to the first sector of each file, which linked to the next sector of each file. So you couldn't determine how much free space you had. Um, and other great features, but <laughs> <laughs> now how much would you pay? <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, it's also it's highly unreliable. <laughs> It also so spontaneously this, combusts. <laughs> so the upshot of all of this is that all of the existing uh, versions of bomb threat that are out there today, uh, if you get to level 128, uh, very strange things will start happening to you. So, uh, but I'm working on a new version that won't have those. So, problems. so well, while we're on that subject, Rick, um, 
I, I know in the past you uh, and the, the the CD service is a good service, but um, mm-hmm. will you consider using some type of digital distribution? Because I know Paul Thayer just did one that Rob Inman suggested, Itch.io, which is a website where people right. can buy it online and it'll send it out. Would you consider something like that? Uh, I already have considered it. I've set it up, and it's actually live right now. Okay. But I don't have the link, you know, off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Now, for those, uh, and I'm just going to say, um, use myself as example, as I have purchased two cartridges, and apparently I have the original kill screen one, and I have the new one with the previously undiscovered bug. Would I be able to request a digital unbugged <laughs> version from you uh, to, to play? Not that I'll ever make it to level 128 or right. 1 trillion score, but for people who bought a cartridge, could they, could they reach level out to like you and say, hey, right, could, right, could we right. get a digital patch or something? Well, what, else there, what is out there now is what's already been released, so it still has the bug in it. Yeah. Uh, soon, uh, I will put a new version out there on the digital download that has the bugs fixed. And I've sort of struggled with how to handle the fact that a lot of people out there have bought it already. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've done it as a free download with a suggested uh, donation of $15. Okay. So, So the idea being that, you know, you don't have to do anything special to get a free download if you already bought it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to send me $15, I am not going to stop you from doing that. So it's it's not that's not perfect, but it sort of handles the problem. So you're kind of expecting people that have not ever purchased Bomb Threat before to pay the fifteen dollars as a voluntary thing, and if you already have purchased the cartridge, this is kind of the right. fixed version. Yeah. Right. All right. The other option is somebody could just fair. like if somebody bought a cartridge, they could just take a picture of it and email it to you, saying here's right. here's my cartridge, and you could just email them back a, a zip file. Right. You know. Um, right. I'd also like no, to point out I'll make the myself. option available for anyone to send me $15 for no good reason. <laughs> or more. There, there's, right. an, there's an but app for bomb that. Bomb Threat is a good reason to send Rick $15. Absolutely. It's a very, it's, it, it is a fun game, and I, I have my copy here, and I enjoy the heck out of it. Yes. In all oh, I totally agree. Right. Oh, yeah. And if you, bought, if you bought a cartridge or you bought a CD, you know, and you, and you go to... The, the nice thing about the digital download is I can do bug fixes and send them up, and then you can get a bug fix. You get the latest release at any given which time. Which is awesome. Yeah. And if you already bought it, you know, and on one of the other medium, you know, I have no problems at all with you going and getting it for free from, you know, itch.io. Right, right, right. Uh, very cool, very cool. Well, it's all coming together. Um, yep, because I, I was just I couldn't help but think, you know, because of the inability for shipping and stuff like that. If you had a digital option a couple of weeks ago when we were playing Bomb Threat, we probably could have gotten a few more sales for you too. Um, if people had that option to grab a copy, so there was. Yep, I was just a little late jumping on it, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I should mention, uh, Frodo just posted in the the chat too the link to the itch.io. Okay, Rick Adams. Oh, thank you. RickAdams.itch.io slash bomb dash threat. It's going to be a quiz, so make sure you write that down. Um, Thank you. You're too kind. You are too kind. Oh, my. All right. Well, how about we do this, boys and girls? By the way, it's, it's nice being back in this chair. 
hosting this show with you guys. You guys are my guys. You're my tribe. You're my people. And um, it's been great having uh, some time off because I actually took one day, one week I took off because Rob volunteered to stream. So it was nice for me just to have uh, a rest and relaxation day. I was still watching the show, cleaning my office, but there were days I had to work. So I want to thank everybody, as I did last week, for coming together, keeping the show going, and just continuing to keep the quality and the enthusiasm and all that good stuff. Um, it's great. And, and honestly, I was a little rusty getting things going today because I haven't streamed in a couple of weeks. And if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So um, it's good to be back in the chair and, and running the show. And on that note, we're going to take a commercial break. And we are going to do... Since David Ladd is here, we're going to do a little floppy life commercial break for David Ladd. And when we come back... We will be beginning the Game On Challenge with the brand new Coco Thoughts from Samuel Gimes and the high score results and you name it. And later in the program, Nick Morenti's new game, the world premiere of that will be coming up too. Crikey. Lots in store for you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after these words. And now these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Good day. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar... Stop right there. Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar, go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of... Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 This portion of Coco Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement Placeblex Thought to help you with your floppy life. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes then all hard drives and SSDs died but the floppy survived and the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. 8-slot MPI, floppy drive, Coco SDC, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four-slot MPI. David Ladd. 
Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. <laughs> We'll be demons on wheels. We'll take the pole position and go past all the cars now. The wheels are turning, but the car can't still drive. I just exploded, but somehow I'm still alive. I finished a lap in first place and I'm back in last again. <laughs> the Dax Sound in Speed Racer doesn't help it through. Play Speed Racer, play Speed Racer, play Speed Racer, play. I'm often swearing as I slide my car around the track. I'm jamming up the joystick and I think that it might crack. Fresh racing sweating just ahead! Play Speed Racer, Play Speed Racer, Play Speed Racer, Play! Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, they keep getting better. As the talent is just overflowing. As Samuel Gimes outdone himself just when you think he can't get any more Gimesier. Uh, let's let's go to the Simon Cowell of the panel, Ron Delvo. Uh, how did that song make you feel? <laughs> Don't poke the bear. <laughs> Here, Was that would better? You, would you like a Would you like a gas can there, Stevie? <laughs> I'll fill it up for you. Uh, yeah. And then I might add. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. So that was Samuel Gimes' uh, Cocoa Thoughts of the Week. Do you know what time it is, boys and girls? It's time for... I feel the need. The need for Steve. All right, and welcome to the Game Room results for this week, where we played Speed Racer with 19 people. Mark Bosley, 12,840. Catlord, 27,620. R. Allen Murphy, 40,160. Cargo, 61,280. David Ladd, 82,360. Adam Candy Dragon Guy, 87,100. Candy Color Computer 3, 137,800. David O'Connor, 208,750. Joshua, 211,150. Jim Wright, 293,360. Mr. Dave, 295,840. Canadian Retro Things, 306,380. OG Stevie Stroh with 319,350. Tom C with 331,440. Frodo with 336,270. Me with 336,870. David Croker, 372,440. Buck Owens, 374,690. Speed Racer was the game this week. And once again, Nick Moroda, I'm just going to say, I kind of felt like you phoned that one in. Could you... 
put a little more enthusiasm into the delivery there? Is that asking too much? I don't know. Dude, I did Ball this for Stevie last night. <laughs> I, I think Not really, everybody Nick. can be me, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> were, so let me ask, Nick, were you not excited about doing that video oh, for us? <laughs> <laughs> I just trying to pull it all together at the end there. Can you see my screen? Oh, we can see your we're screen. Excited. Okay. Now, now, are you gonna uh, give? Are you gonna start giving us a total of all the scores added together? That, like that? that would seem that would seem very useful. Like that. Look at this. Now no, we're gonna get no, everyone's uh, take everyone's four track scores, and then add all the final scores together from everyone, and just see what kind of number you come up with. I would like to score for all the players was like yeah. the combined billion? score. The combined score <laughs> index. I'd like a few charts right. and graphs, if at all possible. Thanks, Thanks for throwing me off there, Coco. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's oh, um, yeah. glad to and help. Then, <laughs> and then divide it by the number of players to get an average score. So and uh, do, anyway, and then do a, I mean, do a four bit approximation of it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Differential <laughs> equations. Yep. <laughs> Can everybody shut the F up and let Nick talk, please? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, here is the combined, here's a breakdown from all, for all the tracks and all the scores. Uh, I will put this on, on the Discord channel for further perusal. Um, but here's how, the, here's how all the tracks broke up. And uh, we had 13 people actually do all four tracks because last week I announced we were only going to do track two. But uh, it ended up that I didn't know at the time that there were only five laps and people were finishing the game really fast. So I wanted to flesh, flesh it out a bit more. So we ended up doing all four tracks and adding the, uh, adding the totals together. And didn't we have some people that actually broke the 100,000? Yeah, we're going to get there. Okay. Because I don't see uh, any on the chart there, so I was wondering. No, no. People, uh, well, the only, they decided not to, not to record anything over 100,000 because they were uh, not 100% sure at the time. So. Okay. Um, Rainbow review, surprised they liked it. Um, this I like. I like where it said the beautiful. The scenery was distracting and beautiful. <laughs> it is as distracting it's, as it is beautiful, ranging from. Why would it be distracting? It's beautifully distracting. Beautifully distracting, huh? Oh, you know, back in the eighties, we weren't used to all these uh, all these high res graphics and stuff, right? So that just was like, if they found that distracting, I can. Well, just I, well I can relate, Nick, up. because you are so beautiful. You are distracting sometimes. It's hard for me to concentrate. Um, so <laughs> I, I get How can it. I go on. With that? <laughs> <laughs> My heart's all a flutter. <laughs> You're so so dreamy. I feel uh, something deeply <laughs> inside. <laughs> kind of like and when I climbed the rope in gym class. Take these. <laughs> It might just be gas, Nick, just to let you know. Take these rainbow scores with a grain of salt. This is what's been recorded anyway. Um, I'm thinking the 107 might be possible because um, even though it wasn't recorded, I think it was was, um, Buck Owens that broke that guy over 100. Um, So anyway, it is possible to get near 107 probably. These other ones are highly suspect, but... Anyway, so yes, as as um, I like that town Longwood. <laughs> uh. As Curtis, as Curtis was alluding to the, uh, we, apparently now we all, we not only play the games, we also break them. Uh, uh, we have we have a dedicated team of of uh, game busters, and they they did their job again this week. So this footage comes courtesy of Buck Owens, and I'm just gonna go ahead and play it. You can watch his score at the bottom there. By the way, that Commodore monitor, fantastic monitor, incredible monitor, amazing Thanks picture. And yeah. at, here we go. It's going to loop over because it doesn't know how to handle 100,000. 
Okay. Think how much better it would be if you played the um, MC10 on that monitor. <laughs> and then I believe in the high score list to be listed as 1,030. So basically, they didn't account for the uh, breaking 100,000. So I don't know if they didn't think it was possible. Uh, I mean, the game was already limited to five laps as it was. Uh, so it sounds like they were, you know, not expecting people to break 100,000. So yeah, Fro um, Frodo's pointing out the chat here. Actually, Taz was the first one to break the 100K, and then Buck did it as well. Yes. So we had a couple of players actually break the 100,000. Yes, Matt. What, yeah. So you're saying when you get to 100,000, it breaks the scoreboard, like the score doesn't wrap or something? Or well, it it does. Did you see it? It it, it goes back to 90 because it doesn't draw the one zero for the 100,000. So it goes back to 91,000, and but it also records it improperly on the high scoreboard. It records it as 1,030. Oh wow, that's just weird. So, yeah, they totally were not expecting people to break 100,000 in this game. Okay. I got, I, I got to 95,000 on track one on probably my second or third go. So I could Buck see Owens, that... Buck Owens was taking umbrage with the fact that you could crash and get a higher score than if you were at a perfect race. And uh... Wow. <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, this, the speed you're driving is also contributory to your score. So if but you're you flooring it the whole time... Isn't it? Don't you get more score than if you have to like back off to pass somebody? You do, but you'd think a crash would be such a huge penalty because you're starting. Yeah, because right you got to start over. It takes yeah, forever you gotta... to get back to top speed. So you think that that would overcompensate any, but apparently it doesn't. You know, it bothers me. There's no furniture in this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so one thing I found, if you want to be getting. If I get, as you were saying, Curtis, with the scores and the speed, I found that if you drove right on the centre line and you just drove flat out, you could almost get away with not steering except when you got to the corners. You could, just, if you if you're right in the middle, you could drive right between cars on either side and not hit any of them. That's what Buck yep. was doing, at least for the first couple of tracks. He's right in the centre line and just nudging left and right to. Uh, yep. 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 And again, yeah. Tazda may be doing that too. They they were all working on different strategies. It's actually pretty cool. They were uh, breaking the game and looking for different strategies, and it was, it was they they do a lot of analysis on the games, which I thought was yeah. And what was the uh, I had, I remember saw some chatter about how the scoring was maybe different from um, XROAR versus a different emulator. No, no, that was the initial when the score was weird because of the rollover. Oh, the thought okay. was because it was on X-War, maybe it was Oh, so it wasn't the emulator itself. It was just the game, not, yes. not being able to handle the um, yes. the 4-bit differential and the IRQ shifting of <laughs> yeah. the whole thing there. So, okay. Yeah. But, but if you watch the score as he's accelerating, you can see the score definitely starts speeding up going upwards as your speed yeah. goes up. So at a certain point, it probably is out doing a crash. This is courtesy of Marin Lee just for gameplay while we're talking. Yeah, and and Stevie, I can't remember. Did you were you able to attend Stephen Hirsch when he did his little? No, I didn't. No, and that's that's probably something worth mentioning. So last year at Coco Fest, Stephen Hirsch, the author of this game, was the keynote speaker, and he was the first person to speak Saturday morning at Coco Fest, and I completely missed it. And it was a combination for me, anyways. I'm not sure if anybody else missed it besides me, but. I was completely obsessed with trying to get my Tandy 1000 working because I had never seen it before and I, knew I wanted to get my game loaded on it. And so I was just hyper-focused, hyper-obsessed. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't recall hearing very quick, very clearly the announcement saying, you know, by the way, in the next room, our keynote speaker. It was probably said and I just wasn't paying attention, but I completely missed it. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there are other people too saying, I didn't know or I didn't catch it. So I don't I know. I watched it. Did you? 
Do you, Ron, I missed it. Do you know if tidbits, Ron? No, gone. Because I heard, for example, I remember some. He he hand assembled it apparently. Like he didn't. Yeah, he didn't have an assembler. He actually figured all this out on paper, including branches and everything else too, which is you know a little bit complicated. And he actually entered the whole thing in by basically writing a little quick program that poked it all in. Wow. Far out. So no assembler involved whatsoever. And he also was talking about he was using some fairly complicated you know math sine cosine to get the curves to work properly, which he was quite proud of. Okay. So you saw yeah, the if presentation. You've ever played Grand Prix Challenge. You've seen how badly it does it. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the presentation? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you know if anybody recorded that at all? Do you know if there was I, any recording going on? I don't know if anybody did or not. I was going to post. I, I should have posted that in general. Where I was going. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I took a couple recorded. of pictures. Do you? Oh, somebody said something. Do you know who I, would have recorded it? A part of it. I believe it was recorded. Do you know who it uh, was? I think so. Let me uh, get talk to uh, Tony Pedraza, see um, if he can remember who did that. But uh, uh, I think, yeah, because I mean, I feel like an idiot for myself because he was hanging out at Coco Fest and I didn't know it was him. You know, he was just another guy off a name tag, and I'm not always really good at introducing myself or anything. So I, I saw the name, but I didn't put two and two together. And because I didn't see his presentation, I didn't know that was him. And if I had known it was him, I would have been totally kissing his ass and telling him how awesome his game was. But I, I feel so bad for not giving him all the due. Um, you know, don't worry. When he was finished, everybody went up to him and congratulated yeah. him on a great job he did. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I, I, I would have even had his kids helping with the presentation too. Yeah, no, that's his whole cool. family was there. He yeah. had a shirt on. Didn't he? He had a shirt with the. Yeah, he wasn't bare chested, Ron, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone was wearing game. shirts, if I yeah. remember correctly. No, he had this game on the shirt. Oh, okay. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, so I feel horrible that I miss it because I would have loved to have seen that presentation. And um, I'm hoping it was recorded. And and not long after that Cocoa Fest, I know there was a, there was a handful of. Um, emails going back and forth where I think Tony Pedraza was trying to reach out to him to see if we can get him to come on Coco Talk and and I don't think anything happened at the time and I was going to try to see if I could reach him this week again to find that old email but I was so busy I didn't have time to it would have been kind of cool if we could have grabbed him last minute to talk about the game for the results but he, he had uh, a slideshow and he showed a lot of his notes for this uh, oh, God, I want to yeah. see that presentation so yeah, bad hopefully we can find it yeah and I'll have again, this was uh, this is one of the top tier games in the yeah no I mean it really so the game itself is is amazing but there are so because I was playing it last night and then when you play it without sound all you notice is that there's the check 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 jerkiness to it and that just has to do with you know how the Coco has to do so many things per frames per cycle and then trying to squeeze in a sound generation in between there but when you don't have the sound you notice the choppiness a little bit more in the silence i think um but now the game is really really cool um i, I enjoyed it I, I managed to finally play you know each track last night and i found that track four is a real bitch man <laughs> yeah, 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 same. <laughs> yeah track yeah. four is the one i couldn't finish yeah They're the ones i yeah. finished but same. Track four. Yeah. yeah i could get I got to 10 miles but yeah i could i could get to the last round and then i would never because I, I guess i you would think the more you do it the better you do but i kept screwing up the further along i went and i always crashed too many times in that last lap and just never pass enough cars before you reach the finish line did Curtis. you guys notice if you drive on the shoulder too long? The, yeah, the guy come out and change your tires. Come out kind, your tires. kind of fl yeah. flings them on anyway. He flings them onto your car. Nah. It's kind of yeah. funny. 
Curtis, <laughs> do you remember um, him talking about um, him getting accolades from other, um, like, I don't know if it was Commodore or something else that, you know, because of some of the things he did with the screen or the scrolling uh, or whatever. Mainly, I mean, that, that part I don't specifically remember too much about, but I do remember him kind of making You know, now that, that Rainbow Magazine mentions it, I do find that scenery highly distracting. <laughs> <laughs> that is so distracting. It has nothing to do with the track at all. So I am so focused on like right in front of my car. I, I honestly don't even pay attention to the scenery. I always say, oh, that's cool. That's cool that it changes, but it doesn't distract me because I'm focused on, you know, uh, an, an eighth of an inch in front of my front tires the whole time. I've seen it recall. Did have the, 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 the car's past thing is a little arrow with you towards you. Does anyone know what that arrow means? What's, what's That's when you officially pass enough to progress to the next two miles. Oh, okay. Right. You're talking about the little, yeah, that's like, that's the minimum cars you have to pass in order to be able to continue driving. And this is one way, right. this is not quite pole position. It's kind of a, com, a, com, or a, a combination of pole position and uh, turbo, because turbo was based on the. It's a 3D racing car game from the arcade, too, but it didn't you know, have corners. You just went up down hills and through cities and stuff. But you had to pass so many cars within a certain time limit or a certain number of miles to get to the next part of the track. So it kind of combines the two games. I seem to recall that uh, during his presentation, he did this when he was in college. Does that sound familiar to everybody? Yeah. That he, yeah. Yeah. he did this in college. And, and the biggest challenge he had was, com- was figuring out the math, you know, as far as making it all work the way it was supposed to work or something. That's the two things I remember from his presentation. Yeah, yeah that, there's a yeah, perspective he had to take into account. And there's, there's perspective, then there's the turning of the roads and the scaling of the cars as they get bigger and smaller. And those beautiful backgrounds. They're beautiful, but beautiful distracting. distracting beautiful yeah. and distracting. I think uh, it's kind of interesting. This is the first time I've actually seen draw distance as a concept where Okay, we're going to pop it in here. And yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool how you can kind of see the front tires turning so it gives you that somewhat 3D perspective. Um, and yeah, yeah as Samuel Guys pointed out, they're not actually revolving, but at least they, uh, <laughs> at least they turn left and right. He's ice driving, he's sliding on ice. That's what yeah. Maybe it's like when you watch a car's wheels, it looks like they're going backwards because it's going so fast. Yeah. And you just can't yeah. detect the tires spinning. One yeah. thing I did find with, uh, uh, as far as controllers are concerned, the deluxe joysticks were really, really useful for one thing. I had mine on, cent- uh, on self-centering, um, go back to the middle, and the little trim controls underneath, if, uh, for my little tactic of sitting on the centre line and just driving right down the middle re- re- requires that when you have the joystick in the middle, it's actually right exactly in the middle. Oh, and that would be good. It, yeah, if the trim was slightly out, you'd drift slightly to the left or slightly to the right, even when it was in the middle. So you could actually fine-tune the joystick control to have it keep you on the center line, and, and it worked really well. See, I used the Black Beauties, but yeah, this is definitely an analog game. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought to try the, the Deluxe. I tried the Deluxe, and I tried the tip that Curtis had told me about years ago when we did our first interview where he said he put the Y-axis on free and then had the x-axis on uh, self-centering but then i found i was fighting the spring too much to turn and as soon as i made the whole deluxe joystick free i found i could really hair trigger turn and then i was screwing up a lot less by being completely free Um, because sometimes those turns were really tough richard lorbieski would probably know this better than me but when that thing hits a car all those parts fly up those are uh, it's definitely a ford (laughs) 
<laughs> First on race day. Uh, so. Found on, I have found to on say, Royal Driveways. <laughs> I have to say, out of all the 3D Coco racing car games we have, and I don't believe we had a Coco 3 specific one, I would rank this in the top two for sure. Um, the only other one I think that's competitive with it is uh, Pit Stop 2. And that's better if you've got two players simultaneously because you're, you know, you have to do pit stops. You can run each other off the road and damage each other's car and stuff like that. So it's got that whole two player element. But as far as single player games, this is my favorite. And that's compared with stuff like Desert Rider, uh, which has some unique things on its own, or uh, Grand Prix by Intercolor, which, I mean, from all the great games that Intercolor did, Grand Prix is the only one I'm not that happy with because the, the turns are just like whiplash. It's just oh, that fast. one. <laughs> it's, it's terrible to drive that thing. Did, did anybody ever make a third party steering wheel? Type I'm actually, I've, I've actually got a uh, Microsoft Sidewinder steering wheel with the pedals and everything um, that I've had here for years. I used to play Colin McRae Rally on the PC with it and loved it. And I actually planned on, because it's an analog controller and it's right. got pots and everything in it, and I thought I can take this thing apart, rewire it all, and wire it to a standard Coco joystick plug and, and have a real steering wheel plugged into a real Coco playing a real game. And, uh, Nick, didn't I, somebody I, post I didn't a picture of that in the chat? There was too? some stuff in the uh, Game On results. I was thinking about yeah, think doing that, that with just through an emulator, because it's basically if it's a USB device and you plug it into your PC and do it in MAME, you don't have to desolder anything. Then I can modify yeah. things, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, but I wanted to do it on a real Coco. I still yeah. will. I still, yeah, that would I be still cool. think I will do that. So, yeah. 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 I just didn't get enough time to do it this week because I, I had a lot of other things to do. You know, I only had a week to, to get it organized and I was more interested in playing the game. So, Absolutely. Hmm. But I will try that out and experiment with it and see how it goes. Cool. Cool, yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's a well-made game, and the fact that it was hand-assembled is um, insane. Insane. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it blows my mind. Insane in the membrane. Mm. Yes. Hopefully, we, uh, Brian. Yeah, keep us posted if you can find uh, even just audio for that matter. But uh, the, the, if there was a recording of the actual, yeah, yeah, yeah even I, his presentation. I, I, recall, it was a, it was I remember a, a camera being up there and someone uh, videotaping it. I can't remember. And he he might have even done it for himself for all for all that we you know. Yeah, it's possible. I, I yeah. can't remember. I'm gonna have to dig up that old email and respond to it and see if we can't reestablish contact. It's only been a year and since we hadn't didn't have Coco Fest. Um, uh, cool. Yeah, I'd love to get him on the show for an actual full blown interview. Absolutely. See that presentation. Selfishly, I'd like to see it because I missed it. I'm sure other people would too. If you look at the Discord channel, you'll see there's a couple of pictures from uh, one from Buck Owens and one from uh, David Croker showing their gaming rigs for uh, for this game using steering wheels and, and whatnot. So, oh, there was one in there that was like a full-on setup with a seat and everything, wasn't it? That, was that real or was that CGI? It was like <laughs> that was a real setup, was it? I assume it was real. It looked impressive. Yeah, it looked like David Croker's setup. It looked really impressive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it. it's real. Yeah. Uh, unlike Nick Morenti's, you know, high scores. Is that Coker. real photoshopped? So the, on the left, is <laughs> yeah. Buck Owens on the left, and David Croker on the right. Seriously, yeah, is that Buck Owens setup? That's not a Photoshop. That's what he said. Really? It's pretty pretty damn. Really? Really? Well, yeah, he says that was a joke. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say <laughs> it was that. A joke? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. The one on the right that was legit, I think. Yeah. The one is, yeah, yeah. Although he yeah, didn't yeah, submit yeah. scores with that rig, he said he he's not sure it improved his scores, which is fun. I got to yeah, say. Yeah, that was on an emul that, that was an emulator. That was like huh. you were saying, Stevie, I think it's using an emulator to do it so you can run the 
USB yeah, with, with the Coco 3 uh, enhanced in massive air quotes colors. Yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, uh, Buck says that uh, that setup is the setup itself is real. It wasn't used for a speed racer, but he said it's thirty six thousand dollars. So I mean, okay. if you oh, really oh, want to yeah. win the speed racer challenge, and it's worth that much well, money to you, go. Yeah. For it. Yeah. Listen. That would explain the scores he gets. I mean, Bragging rights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, of course he gets uh, first or second place every week with a game rig like that. This is like Ben VR Drake's uh, level yeah, stuff yeah, going yeah, on here. Slayer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we had a uh, it was a really great turnout. Thanks, guys, for um, for changing with me to the to doing all four tracks. Uh, you know, like I said, it, the the game is pretty short; it's only five laps. So yeah, like, let's flesh it out a little bit and make it a little more interesting. So, uh, so, uh, so Buck Owens is saying he used a Tandy Deluxe with the springs on. Okay. Um, so, do you want to mention that we're that you have created a new channel yes. for that? Um, so. Starting this week, we're going to be uh, we're moving channels. It's right above the old one. It's, it's called the Game on Challenge channel, I believe. Yeah, we took a survey, and apparently there weren't enough channels in Discord, so we figured we'd add <laughs> one in there. Well, um, see, the thing is, the, the channel we were using was there before Game on Challenge started, mm-hmm. and there are other screenshots people want to be able to post and stuff, too, so I just wanted to separate out. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it makes it easier for Nick to keep track of, because we have had other, you know, people have been trying out other yeah. games or whatever else and throwing them in there, so it's harder for Nick to go through. Which is what I was doing last mm. week. I had not, I didn't start playing Speed Racer until a couple of days ago, but I did play um, Rally SG on Sunday, and it was actually the first time I'd even played it. So um, I spent some time doing Rally SG, so I put a screenshot of that, and I played um, Digger 3, the um, Cabin Fever edition, and so I put a screenshot of that, too, since I was doing some Coco stuff. So the um, new channel is pretty much the same stuff as the old. You know, your screenshots that are related to the game of the week uh, for your score submissions. Any, any light discussion around the the game. Uh, I don't want to get it too heavy, too big, heavy threads, but you know, what if you find a controller that works well, or a trick, or a tip, or a bug, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, Curtis, uh, yep. Was that uh, when was that talk on Saturday or? Yeah, it was, yes. a, it was first thing Saturday morning. First, first, first one Saturday. The okay, because I'm going to post uh, pictures of the guy talking. I got pictures of him somewhere. Yeah. Here. Okay. So. Uh, well, good job and congratulations, Tasman, on your on your stellar score and Buck Owens and David and everybody who played. Thanks for playing and thanks for being and part the of the people that you know, found another Game Busters. Uh, yeah, it's neat. It's neat. Uh, one thing I do find is that when you spend, you know, you spend quality time with a game and you spend a whole week playing a game, you 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 find that either you get a deeper appreciation for it that maybe you didn't have, or you might find out oh, this game really sucks and I can't stand it, or you find some crazy nuances and bugs or glitches or Easter eggs or something. So when you when you focus on something for a while, you you find new things. It's like a new light being shed on stuff. So it's kind of cool. I got and about five you, pictures you want me to share. Of, of Steve, the, yeah. the author? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You want to stop sharing for a second, Nick? Sure. And then after that, uh, and then is it will we be able to divulge then, the game of next week after we look at the pictures? Yeah, I think I'll tell you. Okay. Maybe, Go ahead, Rondo. It make it easier to, to take part if I tell you what it is. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't tell anybody, then you, you're disabled. guaranteed to win. Well, just don't tell Mr. Dave. Uh, right? Hold on one second. <laughs> Try it Don't again, Rondelvo. Okay. Try it again. All right. Yeah, apparently Zoom keeps changing the security settings on stuff. Okay, so. 
There we go. There he is. There he is. Stephen Hirsch. There he is. Right. Uh, Do um, preview full screen here. Hang on. Yeah, there he is. He had an arcade game. Oh, he was. I can't remember. Did maybe going over the history of talking about what was in the arcade game in the arcades at that time. Okay. It was in hot cocoa. Did he do this oh. tutorial? Was this his, or was he just mentioning that that was maybe an inspiration for him? I think he was just mentioning it, if I remember. He was talking about arcade ports to the Cocoa. Okay. And yeah, this was that six-part series that I want to look 3D at. 3D graphics challenge. Edit machine language instruction. Takes multiple clock cycles. Add and subtract eight bits. Takes two cycles. Load to and from memory eight bits. Takes four plus cycles. And to multiply eight bits into 16 bits. Takes 11 cycles. And to divide via subtract slash shift algorithm, 400 cycles approximate to divide? Yeah, yep. division's really slow. That's wow. where the 6 yeah. or 9 really comes in handy because wow. it doesn't like 35. And here were the contemporary oh, wow. games, Turbo and Pole Position, right? And he combined elements of both. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, this would be fantastic. That's his, okay, there's the Mitchtron shirt. Okay, so that's his son wearing the Mitchtron shirt. Right. Right. Neat. And Mitchtron was originally Computer Shack, right? Correct. Before they got the cease and desist from the evil Tandy Corporation. Uh, <laughs> I'm still blown away by the fact that he did everything without an assembler. Oh, That's, absolutely. I think all of us, there was a bit, almost, almost an audible gasp in the audience when he said that, to be right. honest. Mm. Nah. That is cool. That's like that's like literally programming in raw machine language. That's like that's crazy yeah. stuff. I, I remember Steve Bjork mentioned that the very first projects he did, he did the same thing because they didn't have anything. Right, like Audio Spectrum and Popcorn. I think he hand assembled those, which is also just. In, but those are much smaller games. I mean, those but are still, just that, to that imagine K monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote a program without an assembler. All it did was reverse a P mode four screen to print T-shirts, and that was about the limits of my ability, and ended up being. I don't know, 30 lines? So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, neat, neat. All right, All right. Nick, are you... Are you, you see you, the next week's Yeah, game? do you need to share again because you're not sharing? Okay. Just before you do go into the next week's one, I've just got one little last comment about Speed Racer. By uh, all means. <laughs> sure. since, I started, since I've started playing it, I've had the Grease Lightning song stuck in my head. <laughs> Speed Racer, <laughs> you're burning down the quarter mile. <laughs> Grease Lightning, go, Grease Lightning. Go sure. speed racer. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next week's game, I think Curtis is going to be like this one. Drum roll, um, please. Next week's game will be. Dun, da, da, da. Oh, Sea Dragon. Dragon. Welcome aboard, Captain. That's right. So again, we'll start from we'll start from the level zero, or whatever it is. You pick players one, and it's starting level zero. And uh, and as good. far well, there's, as there's no level per se. It's actually it's, the speed the game plays. speed. Plays and honestly, I find faster speeds are easier to play. Same with you have, oh, okay. you have, you have less reaction seven. time. You play but, seven on this one, yeah. Curtis? Yeah, and keyboard. On yeah. a Coco 1 keyboard, not a Coco 3 keyboard. Yeah. So, right. yeah, there, there's no... There's no skill seven. The, the only difference is practice game, I think you can play longer. You get more lives, but it won't record your high score. Um, but then other than that, it's just... It's the, the, the lower numbers are slower. 
because there's more yes. delay in between the frames. But it, and so depending on how you look at it, it's either more or less difficult. Where you you have you have much more time to think about where you're going to move to, but you can't move any faster. So um, on the high speed, yeah, you start overcompensating is what I find. Yeah, yeah. So on the higher okay. speed, it's a little bit more fluid, and you can kind of bob and weave up and down underneath the mines. Um, uh, but obviously, your your timing, your reaction timing, hand-eye coordination needs to be a little sharper. So it's really going to be personal preference. Uh, people will find the speed that works best for them. I will so mention one thing that most people don't know when they're playing the game. <clears throat> like the keyboard controls are basically your four arrow keys, your spacebar fires. Joystick, obviously, you just move and you fire. But you can also fire upwards, which is handy in a few certain parts of certain levels. And I believe it's the enter key you have to hit for that, whether you're using a joystick. So is that or like firing a torpedo up instead of... Straight up, yeah. Like you can up. take out that ship that's on the beginning of the second okay. phase. You can actually shoot them from below rather than from in front. Okay, yeah. So this is on the Coco STC? Yes. It should yeah. be, yeah. Great game. We have, legal, we have legal permission from the author on this one, too. Just to All right, and this, this was on the TRS-80, right? The monochrome TRS-80. And as the well Apple II as and the Commodore yeah. 64 and the uh, this, Atari 400-800. Yeah. This was a cross-platform game. It has really good multi-voice music. You, it has digitized speech at the beginning. The guy's like, welcome aboard, Captain. And he goes through three or four different kind of nautical songs. And um, if you blow up the thing at the end, you get treated to a little bit of multi-voice music, too, as your ship kind of sails off into the sunset. So it's got some what I call fan service for, you know, things you were looking for as a kid in a Coco. You were looking for awesome music, good sound effects. And if you heard speech uh, coming from, you know, software, that was always a cool thing. If it was, oh, it was amazing. If, if it was done well, unlike Fury by Computer Shock, right? So... Uh, and the guy playing the accordion. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, we love skill seven or speed seven. Is that yeah? Uh, speed you, seven. You, is, I, I would say you can choose your own speed. It doesn't really matter. The game plays the same. It's just yeah. how fast your reaction time is. Okay. <clears throat> I will mention not all of the versions spoke. That was the. I think the Apple II was the first one that did. And the Coco one did. I'm not sure if the other ones did or not. I'd have to check the ads again. But I know that was a big thing they said on certain versions that it actually speaks. And and the Coco was one of the ones that did. Also, I noticed on this SDC, and this affects the Coco 2 users, there's a C drag and a C drag in, and they're both the same, but one of them doesn't let you, one of them says, you know, press enter if the screen is blue and reset if it's, and the other one doesn't. So uh, presumably you might be playing the wrong colors on one of the versions, hmm. so make sure you pick the one that you can actually I thought C drag is where the sailor wore a dress. Okay, so uh, um, oh, so Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and uh, Killer of Couches, says that everyone should write machine code and create their own code by hand once in their life. It's like filling your own cavities. You can't believe what you put yourself through, but are amazed that you did. <laughs> That's a pretty accurate description. It's like he's like filling your own cavities. Oko <laughs> talk in no way endorses self practice. <laughs> Eric goes out there. I would say it's more like performing open heart surgery. <laughs> Make it so. Make it so. All right. So well, thank you guys. Thank you, Nick Marota. Um, how about we do this? We're gonna we're gonna play Coco Thoughts again, the new Coco Thoughts, because it's a song so nice, it's worth hearing twice. Then we're gonna come back and we're gonna are we gonna get the world premiere of Nick Marenti's new game before we get into Game On News? Is that what yes. we finally well, we'll decided? Yes, we'll do the Game On bumper and then we'll go straight into Nick. 
Okay, so an encore presentation of the latest Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes, and then we're going to hear from Nicholas Marentes with his latest game in progress, a.k.a. I Need Another Ferrari. And now, <laughs> Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Thank you, guys. We'll be demons on wheels. We'll take the pole position and go past all the cars now. <laughs> the wheels are turning, but the car can't still drive. I just exploded, but somehow I'm still alive. I finished a lap in first place, and I'm back in last again. The Dax Sound in Speed Racer doesn't help it through. Play Speed Racer, play Speed Racer, play Speed Racer, play. I'm often swearing as I slide my car around the track. I'm jamming up the joystick and I think that it might crack. Fresh Rex is waiting just ahead. Play Speed Racer, Play Speed Racer, Play Speed Racer, Play! All right, everybody. It's everyone's favorite part of the show, Game On, where we hear from Coco game developers on what they've been developing lately. And with us today, a guy who likes to say, crikey, it's Nick Morentes. Crikey, Nick. Crikey. <laughs> Nick, are you awake? Somebody, somebody see uh, if Nick's awake. Right. Put some Vegemite under his nose, he'll wake right up. Is Curtis talking or I am? <laughs> Nick, you, Nick, you can present your own stuff. Well, you've got the video. <laughs> I've got you the video. Right? I've got the video queued up. But I don't know oh, if you okay. wanted to well, say anything first, or we just play the video. Um, well, I'll just say that, uh, yeah, this is going to be my next game that I'm going to do. You're already showing the screenshot there. Yeah, you broke the secret. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, This is it, not on the air yet. Nobody else can see that. Okay. Oh, is but, it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, it's uh, a game I just started. I made a little four-minute video. saves me doing a lot of talking. Um and we might just jump straight into the video, and then I can answer questions after. All right, here we go, everybody. So this is the kick world. Kick the video off. This is the world. Gives me time to wake up. From Today, here. I am officially announcing my latest game currently in development. My last game, Rally SG, was a change from my usual Coco 3 game development, and was developed for the original Coco 1 and 2 hardware with at least 64K of RAM. The game does also run on the Coco 3 and the Dragon 64. Rally SG was a low-cost title I sold as a $5 digital download and has been quite popular and well supported by the Coco community. This support has encouraged me to create yet another Coco 1 and 2 game before I step back to the Coco 3. For my next game, I have chosen to create a game of a genre that I haven't done too much of. This new game is of the puzzle arcade variety. I have placed two new challenges for myself in order to create a game that is somewhat unique to what I would normally create. One, this game would have background music playing during gameplay. And two, it will use the analog free-floating original Black Beauty joystick, the Tandy mouse, or the Tandy Deluxe joystick in free-floating mode. 
It will also run on any model Coco or Dragon with a minimum of 16K of RAM. Like Rally SG, I will use the 8 color Semi Graphics 8 mode with a black background and a black border. This new game is titled Pipes and is based on the game Pipe Mania on the Commodore Amiga or Pipe Dreams as found on many other systems. The game is at the early stages of development and many things aren't functional yet but this video gives you a preview of how it's progressing. As you heard, the interrupt-driven background two-channel music with note envelope is working. The music can be played as the game is running and of reasonable quality considering it's running at the Coco One slower clock speed. And it runs on a 16K RAM system. In pipes, you start on a playing grid that is empty except for the starting piece. The object is to score as many points as possible by constructing a pipeline from the starting piece. As you play, pipe sections appear in a dispenser at the top of the grid which presents random pipe pieces for you to use. You can place a pipe section anywhere you like whether or not it connects with other pipe sections. At the bottom of the grid is a decreasing timer bar and when it reaches zero, contaminated fluid begins to flow from the starting piece. You must prevent the contaminant from leaking out of the pipes and allow the fluid to run through a certain number of pipe pieces to complete each level. The game gets harder with each level as it gets faster and the distance the fluid is required to flow gets longer. <laughs> Ooh, wake up! That, that, that was my cue. <laughs> so that's the game. Uh, it's based, as I, as I mentioned, on the uh, Commodore Amiga game uh, Pipe Dreams, which was later converted to many other systems under the name Pipe. But sorry, on the Amiga, it was called Pipe Mania, and it was converted under the name Pipe um, Pipe Dreams. So uh, yeah, so this is. Pretty well one of my first puzzle arcade games. I mean, I've never been into brain games. So this is a change for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I, it's my second Coco 1 and 2 game. So after doing Rally SG as a, uh, as a throwback to the old Coco um, programming days, um, I decided to do one more before I jumped back to the Coco 3. And uh, one of the things I really want to do, as you heard, is uh, having background music during gameplay 
which uh, I haven't done before on, on any of my games. So I decided to pick uh, the hardest environment to do it under, and that is on the slower Coco 1 and 2. So it's working quite well, um, so it's not too bad. It's better than what I thought I'd get. <laughs> Was that similar uh, to filling your own cavities? <laughs> yeah, pretty well. It's amazing. Yeah. The music and also fitting in 16K, I think, well, is a pretty big I've, I found the music both beautiful and distracting. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and thank you for the airworm. Yeah, no, I did like. That. I love the the interim. The music yeah, quality sounds a, good. I like that. Um, the kind of vibrato you got to the notes. Yeah, yeah, it's got a bit of a, a synthy sound. To yeah, it. yeah. And, um, and there's a couple of the songs that will play when as the game gets done as well. So it's coming along. Um, yeah, do I get credit as music consultant? Yeah, well, that's right. I picked <laughs> the story behind that is that I picked the song because I thought oh, it sounded all right, and then, and then um, uh, Nick Moroda, I showed it to Nick Moroda through the week. He says, "Oh, that's uh, that's the Italian, Italian song. yeah Italian song. Did you pick that because of the plumber?" I said, "No, I didn't know it was an Italian song." <laughs> so it kind of worked out quite well that it's a, it's a fitting song for yeah. the for a plumbing game. So that's that. Um, there was a question, actually. I did um, uh, get a question from someone regarding, just going back to, he asked, I think it was D Darren Grant asked me a question about Rally SG. Um, and, and this is going to uh, be the same for, um, for our pipes. He says he, he's interested to know if I start my, my, in my design process, whether I start, doing the gameplay first and make the graphics uh, later or the other way around. So I'll just answer that question now. Um, basically, when I'm designing any game, not just uh, the pipes or, or Rally SG, I always design the graphics first. So I usually test the graphics to see whether uh, what I'm doing, uh, what I'm create, going to create on the Coco is going to look good for starters. And uh, I, I usually check some of the logistics of the of the game by just checking that the graphics will fit and whether they'll they'll uh, work uh, the way I, I plan it to do so I work all that out first the graphics and, and even the sound sometimes and then when I give myself the go-ahead that yep this is gonna work uh, I then start uh, programming and doing the gameplay and and all that well, if it's okay if I say, Nick, in this case, you created the music engine as well, which I think is pretty Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. So I, I, that Because that was one of the primary things. I wanted to create a game uh, on the Coco 1 and 2 that had background music, and I thought, well, I don't know if I can do it. And without uh, requiring a sound card of any sort. Yeah, no no sound card or sound chip required. So, and so Nick, are you using the trick I came up with ages ago by using... Uh, just over fifty-seven cycles on Nightshink. Uh, I do. I do. Okay. Um. I have a an IIQ, which um, the sound routine goes over one scan line. It seems to do that anyway. Yeah, um, just just over one scan line. So you're getting yeah. about half the CPU. So you're getting that's like right. Three timer. Yeah. A free timer. Yeah. Because yeah. the IRQ, the well, the slowest uh, you can run it at is the on the horizontal. Yeah, because you've got uh, you've got, kilohertz, which right, is, you've got a thirty-five cycle overhead on the IRQ. Just yeah. the entry and the exit. 
Yeah, I, I I don't go into all the maths. I just do it. If it works, it works. <laughs> <laughs> but but to answer your question, Simon, yes, he's using the H sync and just overlapping yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, which is why I done, which is why I actually done in the Tandy assembly demo where I had vectors going and stuff like that. Yeah, just over just over one scan line, so you're yeah. getting like half your CPU left. Yeah, so, so you couldn't you couldn't do a full screen game like Speed Racer, like we we're talking about how it lags a bit no, and the sounds no. going off, and you wouldn't have enough CPU time left over to do some that much moving on the screen. Yeah, but it worked out all right, and um, the sound routine is as well fast as I could create, so it works out perfectly. So no, it sounds I, good. I, I didn't I didn't actually count the cycles or do anything. I just wrote the routine as compact as I could uh, to achieve what I wanted it to achieve, and I just tried it, and it worked. And it just happened to work out that it took one scan line, which left me the next scan line for the game, which was perfect. Because the IRQ interrupt is 14, uh, 14 kilohertz or 15 kilohertz, something around that, which is too high. Um, I, I really wanted to go half that. And doing like what you said, Simon, splitting it up between scan lines, I halved the, uh, the uh, horizontal interrupt rate to, to roughly 7 seven kilohertz which worked out fine exactly exactly and it's a neat trick it's a neat trick to do yeah and, and i did i didn't plan it i just tried it and it worked and i thought great <laughs> i guess that's good that's obviously going to be slightly different frequency on a pal and an ntsc yes so guess. later on uh currently i'm designing of oh, my coco is an ntsc one um but later on i think i will need to uh um, tweak it then so it works. Uh, it'll still work on a on a PAL Coco, but yeah, the it, the, the, the notes will be down, uh, will be off uh, a fair bit. So yeah, yes, fifteen sixty, fifteen point sixty five kilohertz is PAL horizontal yeah. frequency. So it, it's just a simple matter of working out what the correct values are for the PAL uh, versus the NTSC. Yeah. So either on way, PAL, on the PAL machine, you've actually got. 312 scan lines, you know, where you've got an H-Sync IRQ, but on the NTSC, you've only got 262 scan lines. Yeah. You know, you've got 192 visible, but on a PAL, you've got much more of a uh, latent area with the V-Sync, where you can do so much more. Yeah. Yeah, on PAL systems, your PAL's generally 100 scan lines higher in resolution. But that's obviously different. And on it's it's five hundred and twenty-five versus six hundred and twenty-five complete lines, not visible lines. Yeah, but the frequency rate is lower, so it's going to change the pitch of the sound sound routine. So, I'll I'll yeah, fix yeah. that up towards the end anyway. That's cool. It sounds cool. Now I remember early on in the development of Gunstar, you were working on um, um, music uh, thing. We we're going to maybe have some title music. And it was, is this similar to what you were trying to do for Gunstar, or is this a whole different engine for music at this point? It, it is. Uh, it's, it, it is similar. It, it was actually easier on the Coco 3 because you have the timer and you can set the, uh, the frequency easier there. Okay. And you've, of course, got double the clock speed on the um, Coco 3. But I, I wasn't happy back then with what I was making, mainly because I don't have a clue about how, how music is created. And I, I just didn't like what I was creating, so I, I, I canned it for Gunstar. So for for Pipes, I decided I'm going to give it one more crack. <laughs> uh, it, with, with the things I learned from, from then, mm -hmm. I just tried a few other ideas, and, yeah, it, yeah. it sort of worked. 
I like the, the way it sounds. Frequency tables for the different notes and stuff there, and kind of got everything adjusted and, and yeah. did a full twelve yeah. note scale. It, it helped. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is it is lo-fi. It's really it is really pushing the uh, the quality of the sound as uh, as it goes. But uh, it, it it worked out. I, I was yeah. able to make it all work. So that's good enough for Coco one and two. Yeah. No, anyway. I think the lo-fi adds character to it. It sounds like an old synth it has that synth and, well, and, and yeah, yeah 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 they're bass notes too so yeah and, and it's only it's only square waves so i'm not doing anything fancy it's just square wave type sounds it's you know the basic stuff mm-hmm. but by mm-hmm. having it actually creating two voices like two square waves and mm-hmm. then then mixing them together to make it a two voice track if you play the two square waves together uh like as a chord it actually does change the sound quality a bit, and you get, you get, a, as you said, a bit of that, uh, what, what, that vibrato or whatever other effects, um, and it actually sounds good. So, I found when I put two squares together, I end up with a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hip, it's hip to be square. <laughs> just, just remember, two plus two equals five. That's it. And one and one and one is three. So we're doing an artifacting chord where two notes become three somehow. It works. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, so... That's my game. Yeah, no, it looks oh, good. I, I'm becoming a big fan of what you're doing with that low-res, eight-color, fat pixel look. You're doing some really cool stuff with yeah. it. You're, make, you're making that screen sing. Um, well, it's uh, part of my uh, desire to get away from that green or buff uh, Cocoa yeah, 1 right? 2 screen. Yeah. I really don't like that. So... Uh, um, Hence, Rally SG and Pipes is going to use a semi-graphics mode, which has its own problems, of course. But at least you get eight colors on a black background with a black border. Yeah. So, and, and I've chosen semi-graphics eight. Um, there are another two semi-graphic modes on the Coco 1 and 2. There's semi-graphics 12 and 24, which are actually higher res, but they're higher res vertically. Yeah, uh, they're the same. They're, they're still the low res, sixty-four pix- pixels horizontally, um, and they create a very flat sort of pixel. It's a very like a, like a, a strip. Yeah, which which um like an underline really, really is what it ends up. Becoming. Yeah, it's yeah. more of an underline, and yeah. uh, you can you can do graphics with that. Um, but the thing is, I wanted a square pixel, mm-hmm. so. And, and the benefit also by d- using the Semi Graphics 8 and its squarer pixels is that it only takes up 2K. So, it's, uh, yeah, considering how much that. overhead you have for your sound routine here, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, my sound routine would 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 take up too much time if, if the game was uh, if I was moving more graphics around. So, it's it's also the fact that that Pipes is a puzzle game. It's not really like Gunstar, you know. A lot moving on the screen, a lot happening. Yeah, um, it's a simpler game, and it leave, does leave me with a bit of C, more CPU time, so I can devote to the to the music routine. Have you ever thought about using um, CSS one because you get eleven colors instead of eight? Uh, now, see, um, yeah, but on a Coco three as well, I, mm. because that's the other thing. It's on a Coco 1 and 2, fair enough, 
but I, I still do want it to work on a Coco 3, which I don't think you get those uh, extra colors because you, you can't probably, get a text you probably mode. You can't print text, yeah. But on a Coco 3, I mean, if you take something like, I know if you take something like VCC um, or MAME or something, you try to do semi-graphics on those, it just looks totally crud. It just looks, looks like a fucking turd on a string. And, and, unless you switch to composite mode. And if you take VCC, yeah. uh, stuff that would be normally some colour is grey and stuff like that, and unless you switch it to composite. So, I mean, you wouldn't see it on a PAL Coco 3, but on a, an NTSC Coco 3 on RGB, you would see it, you know? Yeah. No, no, I, if if I, I remember, I, Simon, though, isn't... Like, with UCSS1, basically, you're getting that extra orange and that dark red or the dark green and stuff like that, but those are yes, text characters, are. and on the Coco yes, 3, those text. don't show up. They don't show up, No. But they do so, on a Coco 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. But the game has got to work on every Coco. So that means a Coco 1, 2, 3, and a Dragon. 32 or 64, TDP, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, that's right. And every every other clone, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget our friends in Brazil. So, yeah, you've um, got to sort of program to the limitations of uh, the hardware you're designing yeah. the game for. So. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I mean, I'm I'm designing this all on a, on a Coco three, so it works on a Coco three, um, and I'm just um, making sure it also works on a Coco one and two. Um, okay, Nick, you said there. you want you want you said you wanted to target every platform, all right? Yep, I'm good with that. But your Dragon sixty four, your Dragon sixty four is going to crap out. The which the Dragon Dragon sixty four. 64 is going to crap out, right? Because it doesn't have an H-Sync IRQ in every scan line. It has for the first 262, oh all right? And then it's got a 50 scan line delay line. So the last 50 scan lines don't have an H-Sync IRQ. So your moves is going to sound like turd. Is that because it's PAL? Um, it's... It's, it's NTSC, but they inserted a delay line in the Dragon 64, so you can't do the H-Sync trick where you're skipping every scan line, skipping every oh. other scan line on a Dragon oh, 64. Well. The 32 works fine. Oh, I see. Okay, I wasn't aware of that either. Well, I wasn't aware of that anyway. Now, if you look at Facebook, I don't know if you frequent Facebook, but Pierre Serrat, the guy from Spain, yeah. Pierre Serrat, yeah has made a modification for the Dragon 64, so it actually does provide an H-Sync IRQ for the Interesting. last 50 scan line. Well, there you go. They can be modified and play. So yeah, just modify really your hardware. Modify your hardware. It's a simple two-step yeah, process, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dragon, Dragon it's just... It's like a 309 upgrade, mm. so you need to... Yeah, yeah. Curtis will be anyway. happy to solder in all anyway, your modifications. Anyway, looking forward to it, Nick. It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Um... Very, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that, Nick. Thanks for letting us debut that here on the show. Um, okay. Do uh, Are you guys ready to go straight to Game On News? You want to take a brief break before Game On News, or we want to roll the Game On News, and then we'll take a break before News News? Up to you guys. Doesn't matter to me. How much Game On News do you have, L. Curtis Boyle? Around 10. Around 10. All right. Well, you want to go ahead and just, let's just roll with it. Let's roll the game on news, and then we'll take a break after that as we go into the snoozy newsy. <laughs> Grab your pillows. Okie dokie. Let me share the all screen here. Oh, I can't share yet. You can't share yet. Do I need to stop sharing? Do I need... Why are you... Okay, I have stopped sharing, Curtis. 
aqui. Yes, oh, we did have a question in the live chat. Would it work on a VIC-20? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Qbert clone. I love how Martin Lee does not ever put the actual title of the game. He just says, that's a Qbert clone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and I've got this kind of queued up part, part right at the end of his little intro where he just flashes different screens. Right, so this is right. the game I'm that's trying Jungle to Queen right there, so... <laughs> So anyway, yeah, this is, uh, he did a video for Newbert, which is a Qbert clone from Micro Productions. Ooh. Hey, guys, today ha we have... Uh, and this is a bit Newbert, of a scrambled Qbert copy. I have the same one. It's it's a bit glitchy, Mike but it, it, it plays. It's company, Micro Products. Uh, company I've never heard of before, and I've never uh, seen this version of the game. Uh, Spectral Associates and uh, Tom Mix both had versions and computer uh, Hubert out. Uh, I don't know that they're better than this one. This one is about as nice as any of the versions. Yeah, looks good. You do have to, of course. He does really nice artifact in here. You can see right. some of the crosshatch. You get the extra colors too beyond the four. And is this one on the STC? The way that they do it on this. I'm not sure if it is. It's on my site. I've never seen it. You have hold down the joystick. I won't play the whole thing button. here, but I will mention like I've gotten a hold of Mike Rowe. That's his nickname. And he actually tried selling this on his own, and he barely sold any copies because he just had a tiny little ad in Rainbow because he couldn't afford the, the Rainbow advertising thing. So it never really went anywhere. So this one's actually been publicly released too by him to legally download. Okay. So it's on your site, you said, if you go in the... Yeah, I, I can't remember if it's on... Coco I think it's Blitz, on the archive too, but I have to double check. But it is a bit scrambly. You notice in the intro screen there's all that yeah. glitchy garbage on the bottom, mm -hmm. and that's not how the original did. And he unfortunately, Mike no longer has it himself. So I wasn't able to grab a fully yeah. fixed version. This does look familiar. I believe I have played it at one point in time, and it is a, it's a good this playing a nice game. One. Yeah, looks good, yeah. plays good. I would rank it in the top two on this one here, too, to be honest. Um, yeah. It plays really well. It has lots of the nice extra artifact colors. You can see the yellow on the screen where I've got it yeah. paused here. For What's the, the other good one? Um, let's see, the Spectral or the... Um, <laughs> Well, Blockhead, I do like just because it has, you know, it's, it's quirky. It's a little bit different. They changed it up a little bit. but Yeah, sideways instead of being a pyramid. And not a triangle. and, and Yeah. You know, yeah. The invisible rounds, things like that. Yeah. I'd have to say, I think the Spectra one's better than the Tom Mix one in this case, my my personal opinion. Because the Tom Mix one, if I remember, it's a lower res. It's like P mode one or two. Oh, or the one that's in the Puyan palette just makes me want to puke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. that one. Cuber, I believe it was called. Okay. So anyway, and that's that's uh, Marlon's new contribution. Mm. I'm still trying to get him to come on the show. I guess he's working a lot of overtime these days. So that's why his video. Where is he also. at? Somebody said he might be in, he's Florida. in Florida. He is in Florida, huh? He's in Florida. Florida for a neighbor, like Nick Mar Nick, Nick Marota or Nick Marentis. Everybody's Nick's neighbor in Australia, right? So yeah. everybody in Florida is my neighbor. So he he is willing to come on. It's just that we got to get his his work schedule to coincide. And okay. he's usually free on Saturdays is his best time, but just not not lately. Next up, Jim Gary's been a busy little boy this week here. Pitman. So, uh, this this he's done some edits to. Um, this is a Pitman game that he's shown off before. So he did some key assignment changes because he found it was a little bit awkward on the MC10 keyboard to play it with the original ones that he picked. Uh, he's done some minor sound changes on it. And uh, I'll just fast forward past this loading stuff here. This, is, this is his uh, crawl screen to, while he's setting up all the arrays and stuff okay. here. So it's... Pitman. And as an editor, too, you can create your own levels, which is kind of cool. Hmm. 
And it's kind of like bouncing boulder style. Oh, look, you got the ladders. Okay. It's a little bit different. And you have to make the things fall. Yeah, you have to get all the boulders, the red things, to fall into the proper pits on the bottom. And you push them. Oh, neat. As you go. Can you, but you can't push two if there's two of them there, huh? Right. So he screwed himself over on that one. Okay. So no, that's neat. I like the... Uh, hey, Darren Ottery's here. Hey, Darren. Good eye. Darren. So we push that one over there. Yeah, the sounds, the clicky sounds are cool. doesn't sound like your normal play command. Yeah. I, I think you could do some pretty decent MC10 games with just a couple little ML routines, say some scrolling or, yeah. or certain sound effects that you can just... You know, preload in and then just have the basic program call with an exec every once in a while. And I think you could pretty, do some pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Which actually leads me a bit into his, his next stuff here. Well, I like it. I like the mechanics of it. It looks cool. Yeah. Joust. Our next one is Joust. This is no relation to the arcade game Joust ah. whatsoever, unfortunately. It's a, it's a game originally by a guy named uh, Clive Gifford, and it was Conscious from a book. Down. I was ready Sorry? for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this one beats both Buzzard Bait and... No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is from a book called More Programs for Your Dragon 32 from 1984. So uh, nothing to do with the arcade at all. It's kind of a... More like the horse and lance jousting. Except you're trying to you know aim your joust and shoot at these things. Okay, which is very similar to how actual jousting works. <laughs> yeah, all the jealous people had guns back yes, then. Yes, you know? fire my now. Yeah, if you if you were underground with a crossbow, and you had these jackasses on horses, and you could just take them out with a crossbow, that would be awesome. That'd be a whole new. Yeah, you'd revolutionize modern warfare in the yeah. times. That's cool. Yeah, so that was a nice one that he pulled from one of the old Dragon magazines. Now, what's the name of the game again? Oh. If only he had the name across the top of the screen like four or five times, we'd be able to catch on to what the title was. Was it Joust, 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 Joust? Or was it... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think he was inspired by the Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda. Ah, okay. <laughs> so it's a tribute to Nick, honestly. That's all it is. Uh, next one up here. Um, this is called Civil War, and this is from Creative Computing Magazine. <clears throat> and this was published, I think, in the late 70s there, but it's originally based on a, a, a micro or mini computer game by G. Paul, as you can see, and Russ has on the bottom there in 73. So this is a very old style game here. Ooh, look at that. Now, at the end of this, do we get to tear down statues? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Stir the pot a little bit more here. Where's that flamethrower? <laughs> but it's, it's a, basically it's a military simulation type thing. So right. this 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 was a genre on the Coco that I think was more popular on the Coco than just about any other machine out there. Because with with some of the game manufacturers like Arc Royal and a few others, Sports Quest did quite a few of them too. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of war simulation games. Especially in the Coco One Two, between about eighty-one through eighty-four, it was there was just tons of them. I've actually updated a bunch of them on my Coco game site. So, and I'm I've, I've probably added about fifteen of them, and I'm only up to like the. Oh, so it's got a little thing. bit of an Oregon Trail thing. Like, how much money do you want to spend on supplies and yep. things like yep. that? Yeah, that's neat. It's it's kind of a simulation style thing. Yeah. Yeah, neat. yeah. Now, why can you only buy men? I mean, you would think these soldiers would want women too. Why weren't there women on the menu? Well, it has so. to do the whole slave trade, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How much for your women? How much for the women? We'll take all of them. I want to, I want, I want to buy you a little girl. <laughs> Can I trade you five men for, uh, for a woman? How much, How much for your baby? I want to eat your baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Get in my it's a pretty belly. interesting little game, and I, I haven't seen too many war simulation games on the MC10, so it's kind of a genre that's not that yeah, tapped on. Yeah, that is cool. It's it's totally tapped on the Coco. And this one is kind of a smorgasbord he did here. Time so he's got bomb. Time bomb. He's got a bunch of other games. I guess he's got some ML routine that a guy named Anders Carlson did for a new CLS routine written in ML. I'm not sure exactly how he's using it because it doesn't really show. And at the very end, he's got a little graphics editing program with a little sample image that he did. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. So I'll just kind of skip through bits and pieces here. I don't, I'm not even sure what all these games are. Some of them are games that he's done okay, before so. that he's used this new routine in. What the hell just got him there? Got me on that one. Okay. <laughs> like I said, he's got a whole smorgasbord of games in here, and he doesn't give too many details. He just said a lot of them are using this new routine that he got. Are you? And uh, then have you have you learned Swedish lately? Is that why you're saying smorgasbord? Smorgasbord. Here to here to here to Oh, look at that! Some assembly oh, required. That is here. so cool. How he's like going around. Like how he's like rotating like that, completely. Yeah, getting... just using text characters. Yeah, and, and that is really cool. Oh, you're setting the angle. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So that's how you aim your cue stick. That is really. Which I cool. never thought you'd be able to do in Lotus, but it actually works pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Claude, what is this Claude? He's a friend of mine, Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah, Claude, Jean Claude Van Damme. Okay. You know, Nick, even for you, that was bad. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I saw, a, I saw a good one on Facebook. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I, think, I think I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I think I need a Pepto. <laughs> Computer speech, level one or two. Ooh, look at that. That's oh, nice little chess game. Pretty I, quick. I think this pretty quick. Yeah, that, that machine language CLS routine he's using, I don't know if that's changing maybe the background to do that inverse video. Maybe maybe that's part of what it's doing type thing. Because okay. I know that was something slow in some of his older games. You'd actually watch him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a, it. it's a basically like a stack blast screen poke or something, huh? Yeah. I don't know too many details, unfortunately, and he Man. didn't really totally ex- explain it there, so I have no idea what this one does, so I'll just skip it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it it's looks a, amazing. It's amazing, yeah. Which way? You're running through these different trails and trying to defuse a bomb in time. Hmm. Neat. Which I gotta way? say, a turn-based racing game is unique. <laughs> I remember Creative Computing had a bunch of those back in the day. I like his little stick, dude, because you can tell what yeah. it is. Okay. Is this like the MC10 version of Seamus? <laughs> yeah. And this is a graphics editor, so he's loading in a, a little sample image. And this was done by somebody else, if I remember correctly. Let me find it here. Um, yeah, Curtis F. Kaler did this. This is actually not a Jim Gary production. What? Uh, but Jim liked it enough to put it in here, so he's actually got a little graphic of a rabbit that was edited with this. Follow the white rabbit. Yeah. And I should mention here, too, all of these videos here that he did are recorded using the um, VMC-10i version. Uh, They just released a bug patch for it. Uh, uh, An MC-10 emulator by James Tamer is actively developing this. 
And this is one, if you guys are on the MC10 group, he's actually, they've been adding in extra high-res modes that don't actually exist on the MC10. Okay. So it's like an MC10 Plus now at this point. Okay. So they've been doing graphics editing and stuff, and a few people that are active in the MC10 community have been fiddling around with the emulator quite a bit, and they found a bug. So this version I is the one he's demonstrating and testing here uh, to do all the videos he did in this particular run. But it has a bunch of extra features that the MC10 itself does not have on the graphics side of things, and even the MCX128 uh, doesn't have some of these modes. So that, that's where you're getting that whole, you know, is this still an MC10 now that you're just, you know, editing, emulating something that well, doesn't As long as it can anywhere. hold open a door, it will always be an MC10. So. Or a window. Yeah. Or a window, yeah. So Can't be prejudiced against. That's right. Oh, by the way, earlier, when, I'm speaking of prejudice, earlier when David O'Connor was talking about tapes and the history of tapes, which I'm sure you all found was fascinating, one of the things that I was not a fan of on tapes was some of them were high bias, and I'm not a fan of any form of bias, so we'll, we'll move along now. Um, <laughs> God. And the groaners just keep coming. <laughs> that was really worth stopping for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's momentum. Hold on a second. It's like a chipmunk here. I'm throwing up in both sides of my mouth. So, Are we still doing the show? <laughs> Are we on the air? Is this thing on? Hello? We got, like, music Back being played and bad jokes. And, like, are, we, are we still doing this? Okay, so this next one here is uh, from Paul Shoemaker, and he's been working on – he started – he showed us some screenshots of this way, way back when he was doing it on the Coco 1 and 2. And he was trying to do a clone of Wizardry, the the you know the biggest rival to Ultima back in the day for RPG games. And uh, he kind of gave up on the Coco 1 and 2 version. Now he's doing a Coco 3 specific version. So he did this initial video here, but then he sped it up greatly and did a second video. So I'll just show that one. That shows some of the... We, I think we showed it last week with some of the colors and stuff that he had, these different alternate colors. That's including a CJ one, which is absolutely gross. But now the graphics are running wickedly fast. Wicked here. fast, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that steel blue color. That's become one of my favorite. As we play around with the palette hacks and you look at the available 64 colors of the Cocoa 3, it's like half of them you just want to throw out because they, they're so god-awful. Yeah. There's, there's Facebook stalling again. But anyway, you, you get the idea. So Yeah. Uh, I, he was talking about he didn't know if he had the technical warehouse to do the the actual game here, the Wizardry clone. But, I mean, if he's writing stuff that fast, I don't think that'll be yeah. a problem. Next up after that, Jerry Stratton, the guy who did the Super Basic, which is that modern looking language that will translate uh, to your regular extended basics. We actually did a game here. He did the original text-based Hunt the Wumpus. We've got the new Hunt the Wumpus cartridge, mm. of course, my uh, Mr. Evans there that's on, available on cartridge. And that's based on the TI-9994A graphical version that came out back in the early 80s. And this is based on the original 1970s version of Hunt the Wumpus, which is all a text-based game. So he actually gives you the source code in his new modern basic language here. And that converts down to the extended basic version that actually will play the game on a real Coco. So if you want to take a look at, you know, some of the translation and how it works and, and some of the features that you can do in it, there there you go. Freely available to download. Neat. He's actually put out a, quite a few games and, and programs now based on his super basic. He's probably got about a half a dozen to a dozen that you can download now. So, And I know Alan Huffman was pretty excited about it. Was he like David Ladd level of excited? Well, nobody is. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's be sane here. Uh, next up, um, Eric, who I believe he was in chat here earlier, if I remember correctly, too. He's actually been busy, of course, doing that semi-graphics for fighting game that has yes. really impressed us with the graphics. And he's actually put up two more blog posts now uh, related to it uh, over the past week. <clears throat> so the first one, he kind of starts with Pong. 
and you know, kind of explains all the palm dynamics work. You know, you're bouncing the ball back and forth. And they said, well, what happens if you kind of flip it around a bit? Now you just, you know, you get your pong things at the bottom. You just move them left, right, and they, you know, throw punches and stuff. So he kind of explains kind of the evolution of, you know, how pong, which started the video game industry, really, aside from space war and text-based games, you know, got into the fighting genre type thing. So he gets some samples and he did some speed tests here of, you know, various ways of trying to draw semi-graphics that he went through mm. to get it up to the demo we've seen where it runs pretty quick. So there's a very, you know, flashy, blinky one, and then he gets into using character strings instead, and still a bit, you know, blinky looking, and there's there's a really bad version using set reset instead of the print character right. strings. And then this was a little test program. I'll let you guys read the blog. It's it's a fairly lengthy blog entry, but cool. then we kind of go through that. And then a couple of days later, he released his next one, and here he was trying to figure out, this was back when he was originally designing the graphics, and he was trying to figure out what is the ideal one that is both fast, smooth, and, and legible to be what it's supposed to be Yeah. with detail. And, of course, the very far left to the right is basically these different scalings of doing it. And I, it doesn't really look proper, at least until the third one in. And he ultimately ended up choosing the fourth one in. So the biggest one, he said, the characters look great, but they, they take a while to draw, and you don't yeah. have much room in the screen for anything else. Right. So he decided against using that in the game itself. And here he's using one of the original slower versions of it, mm-hmm. which I think we actually had seen, I think, some weeks back when he was first experimenting. And then he gets, you know, slightly a bit more optimized, etc. There's a little trick he found in basic where you can actually, you know, f- type the characters directly with one poke, kind of like the MC-10 does. Oh, man. And then here he's got the map of the entire thing and, you know, how to figure out which character cells you're doing this actually shows the mapping with that poke of what what characters show up when you hit certain keys now ah it flips a sign bit basically so it just flips the top half of your text characters with your graphics half and the bottom flips them around as far as basics concerned mm-hmm. anyway we've seen the we've seen the video demos here now he's this is where he's starting to get a little you know the speed up to up to snuff yeah, and more that. further optimizations. You can see the you know the gradual progression of how much faster it's getting, and of course we've seen the later videos where you actually got the two people punching each other and jumping up and kicking and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Like it's a really fascinating. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. That's, that's actually two really good, technically advanced, Coco one and two compatible games using semi graphics. Nick's pipes is one, and and they're coming from completely different approaches. I mean, Nick's you know getting all fancy with you know you know H sync driven interrupt driven sound and stuff with background music. And Eric's doing all of this in basic. There's not a lick of ML in here. And he's you know getting pretty impressive animations with that too. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating watching. It's two completely different. One's going ML all out. One's going basic all out. And actually, they're both really good. Semi-graphics, man, in the right hands. And then because Eric wasn't busy enough, um, he was doing some other stuff here too. And he actually was playing Cashman. Now, he, I, I did play Cashman a little bit this last game challenge. Um, I think it was last Did week. you have five minutes before supper? I, no, I didn't have enough time to actually play it enough to even finish a game. So uh, unfortunately, okay. but um, in this case here, he he kind of reminded me like the the level expert, like the puzzle pieces at the bottom, the forty plus screens here. Those are extremely difficult because almost everything's invisible, including ladders and platforms. Not just the ones that blink on and off when you pass over them, but there's actually invisible places to climb. And I'd kind of forgotten about that because I remember I used to be able to get up to level forty six back in the day, but I when I was trying it briefly, I couldn't remember how to get off the very first of the ones. He actually goes through it and he plays it through and you actually get to see the first three expert puzzle uh, levels. 
Uh, did you guys want to see that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, it's about Please. three and a half minutes or so. Yeah. Even the zappers are in- invisible is what he's saying. And here you've got, holy crap. You, you, you're, so you have to you're know taking, where those are yes. to go when to back up, when to go forward so that you don't die. Right. You're taking leaps of faith. Well, once you memorize where they are, then it's not. You know, like, I jump on that, I got to go back to the far right and then jump left again to get onto the next platform. Like, that's the puzzle. You have to figure out where these things are, you know, through trial and error. But once you get used to them, you can go through them. And like I said, I used to be able to breeze through these, and I totally forgot them all, unfortunately. And it looks like if you pay attention to what the cats are doing, they'll sometimes reveal one for you, too, because they will um, Yeah, they'll on blink it. on one of them. Yep. Yeah. But you can see why this is labeled the puzzle one, because you have to figure out how all these things work. Oh, dude, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, that's like a typical gameplay for us. And you'll have you noticed that some of them you can run across, even though there's a gap, it'll let you run across yeah, to the next. Yeah, yeah. Saved. I did notice he experienced something there that I have experienced in the past, too. There seems to be some collision detection forgiveness. Sometimes it looks like you you collided with a cat and it didn't register. Yeah. But you can see, like, how hard this level would be to figure out yeah. the first few times. Really? And there he's got the invisible vines. R- really? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? Really? <laughs> wow, look at that. Like, would you have you thought there's a vine to crawl yeah, across there? Yeah, who would know? I don't know if Chet would think this is good level design or bad level design, but, I mean, this is meant to be the expert puzzle one, so it's kind yeah. of like his, his yeah. promised last level that he thinks everybody's going to hate him on. Mm. Nick Moroto, I was going to ask you, did you ever get this far in Cashman? No. Well, I mean, I probably started it to see what they were like, but I don't remember getting very far. Yeah, I don't know that I would have figured out all that. Yeah, I was when, when watching his video, I suddenly remembered, oh, yeah, that's right. There was hidden vines and stuff to crawl on, too. I forgot all about that. So, Age is a terrible thing. Yeah, I mean, until you figure these things out, you're taking leaps of faith to hope there's going to be something there to land on. Yeah. Like, I do remember that diagonal pattern. You had to jump up to the right and then up to the left and, you know, alternate back and forth because that's where the hidden platforms that are. That is cool. That is a really cool level design. Yeah, and there's there's at least 46 that I remember because I used to be able to get that far. And I, I, it's been wow. so long, I don't remember what they look like, but they get harder. <laughs> Cool uh, this stuff. next one, I'll let Stevie uh, kind of introduce here because this was his video. Oh, really? <clears throat> I'll just I'll just mute the sound here. But uh, <laughs> okay. I'm thrilled. What What were you trying to accomplish here, Stevie? Um, I just playing on the Coco, and I had not played this game at all. So this was literally my first time I ever looked at it or played it, and I played it a handful of times, and I actually really enjoyed Rally SG. It was fun. And then after I did that, I I fired up the Chet Simpson. Um, cabin fever edition of digger three and i think i made it to level five and so i remember when chet says you know i want you to try it because i want to see if you're going to rage quit or get mad or anything and i was playing it and um now the the it's designed well enough to where you're not mad at the game you're just mad at yourself you know 
So I was able to start from level one and make it through level five. And um, it's neat. I like it. I like the puzzles. I like you know figuring out where to fall and when you fall and things like that. So in the, the Gomer AI, you can see some of the changes and how they respond and stuff. So the things he's been talking about and streaming about, I kind of got to experience. And um, yeah, well, well-polished game. I'm really looking forward to this one too. This is gonna yeah. be one of the biggest releases of the year. So yeah, this looks so good for being a Coco Three game. You know, it's like every time we play one of these games where we can do the palette hacks, and I pull up that chart of the 64 colors. I'm like, my God, these colors are most of them are so god awful. It's like, how do people make these colors look good? And Chet found a way. You know, it's just like, uh, uh, it's uh, it's a really good looking game. Yep, agreed. I, I know some of the Amigos people have actually mentioned this is this one actually in like a few other games like uh, Pack Dude Monster Maze and Fez actually look like they could be like a an Amiga game. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we don't have the hardware, you know, right. scrolling and stuff like they do, but uh, definitely simulated it quite well even with the parallax. Yeah, yeah, that parallaxing is um, you see it, but on that first level, um, it the, it's the same color as the background, so it's very subtle. Where it's it's not too it's not too overt or anything. Yeah, there's also a question from Darren Otter on Facebook. How do you purchase Digger Three? Digger Three is going to be free. Uh, Chet insists it's going to be free. Uh, you can get the current public beta one on Facebook in the Coco uh, group if you go to the files part, and it has the first ten levels on easy only. Uh, the hard version of it, which adds extra gomers and stuff in there, is uh, not in the current public beta. But it basically has the first 10 levels that uh, you can play through. 512 k Coco 3 required. No 6309 required, just 6809. And no extra hardware besides a joystick if you want, or you can play keyboard. Yeah. So I think this was last Sunday. I was doing that, and it was fun. Yep. Blabby Computer Games. Yeah, so we've featured this guy before here, um, Simon WGB. And he does these huge, long, you know, multi-hour streams on Twitch playing Dragon stuff. And then he posts the video afterwards onto YouTube. So that's where I happened to grab this one here because I never seemed to catch him live. So we went through about, I don't know, about half a dozen games, Caverns of Chaos. Um, this is the one I'm showing here right here because it's a bit more of a rare rare title to see. Uh, but he also did Eddie Steady Go. He did Chuck Yeag. And then he did some you know, Cocoa Ports like Donkey King with the god-awful Pimo 3 and oh, a few others there too. So, And we've shown this one before, so I won't play the whole thing but uh, those are supposed to be some form of conveyor belts i guess but he does he does uh you know a fair a fair bit of you know dragon originals which is kind of yeah. nice to see and he's actually was a, a person who grew up with the dragons so he actually knows how to play them so he actually gets through multiple screens okay like some of the other videos we've shown in the past you get somebody that has never seen a dragon before they're running mame they load it up they play it for three minutes and and they're done you know that's it and he actually has enough experience on some of these games he can actually go through some of the levels and show you i mean go ahead Stevie. Oh, I thought you were saying something. And the last one here, this is kind of a sentimental one for me. Adam Hassey actually posted up uh, asking about Seventh Link, which is the Coco 3 only uh, Ultima type game, probably around the Ultima 3 level. Actually, a little bit more advanced. I'd say between three and four. Um, and this was a multi disc game, and it was actually one of the three Ultima style games we had. The original first one was Gates of Delirium by DICOM for the Coco 1 and 2, and then Paladin's Legacy from um, Sundog is another one. And then uh, Seventh Link, and that had some digitized sound. It had some real 3D when you go in the dungeons and stuff. 
but it's a huge friggin' game. There's four planets to go between, not just different continents and stuff. And each of them has their own maps. And then there's castles and towns and dungeons and stuff in between them all. So it's an incredibly hard game to solve. I've never come close to it. Um, this guy here actually knows Jeff Noah, one of the two authors, along with Dave Triggerson from Oblique Triad in person. And actually, they work together to actually create modern maps of every single dungeon, every single castle, every single town, every single world for the entire game. So that if anybody wants to play it now and doesn't want to you know, try to guess where everything is, they can actually have a map to follow. Um, it's a downloadable zip file with a ton of stuff. There was a version of this type of thing done for Gates to Learn, which I do have hidden away somewhere. Unfortunately, I saved it in some stupid web archive before I got to rip it apart. I do have to put these up on the site eventually because I don't want to lose these because these are incredibly complex games and they're a lot less frustrating if you have maps. So the download, he's got the link here on a Coco Facebook group. You can get the zip with all the map. And it also has some text files explaining unique things to each world too so that you kind of know what to look for. But I actually grabbed a couple of sample images and threw them up in the browser here too, so I can kind of show you what, what this looks like. So the first one here is the Elyra text file. Elyra is the first world you start on out of the four planets that you, you can teleport between. So it kind of goes through, you know, here's all the different stores you can find in Castle Thorough, and here's some of the other features there, like one of your companions, which one of the people that joins your party, Hagermill, and also you know, how many chests there are and doors, et cetera, and you can keep going through, and it gives you all the details for that particular world of the stuff that's really relevant. <clears throat> and he's got this for all four of the worlds. So here's the map of Elyra, the first planet that you start on. And as you can see, it's quite huge. And this and is a Coco 3 game? Yes. Why does it look like it's stitched in there? Oh, because it's just... Well, this, this is the full map based on the Coco 3 graphics, but you'd only see a small portion of it. Yeah, on the it almost looks like stitching, like uh, embroidery like or something. like those hook rugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a graphics mode, yeah, hook latch. Yeah. But these are the actual graphic tiles that he has in the real game. You would just only see like a small portion yeah. of it on the screen at a time. Okay. So you got the full map. I mean, these these worlds are huge. Absolutely. For a co This reminds me of like a, you know an NES or N64 or something uh, it, it, it did, actually. I mean, it looked like one of those. And there was two versions. The earlier version had more rushed-out graphics, I would say. Like, the mounds were just, you know, upside-down Vs, basically. And this, you know, the gray you're seeing here with the multi-level gray, black, and white for the mounds is what the newer version that he released 1.1 came out as. I actually had both of them at one point. Um, but the game is, this game is huge. I mean, if you're into RPGs, and unfortunately, RPGs is, I think, almost a lost art these days because nobody has the patience to play these games that take months to solve anymore. And that's, I know the Amigos have commented on that too, because they'll look at it and go, yeah, the game looks great, but I don't have three months to do it. Even in quarantine, apparently, you don't have enough time yeah. to play these. Well, imagine having to to write it too. I imagine developing them has got to take some time. Yeah, well, I remember mapping these out by hand. I mean, I have reams of graph yeah. paper when I actually won Gates of Delirium. That took me three months, one summer to, to win that one game. And it's half the size of this one. So, Man, this is this looks really cool. And here's uh, one of the inside. This is one of the castles. And you're looking at two side-by-side -side maps. So the left one is level one. So when you first walk into the town, the little opening in the mountain on the left, this is the main part of the town. You see these are weapons and an armory and stuff like that. But there's also a couple of ladders if you sneak around enough. They'll take you down the second level. And the second level actually has underground streams and, and other things that you have to go through and find things too. And that's on the right-hand side. And not all the towns are multi-level. Some are single. They're not all the same size. Some are bigger. Some are smaller. Um... Some of the, the worlds are quite different. So, like, there's one of the worlds is more of a water world, so there's not that much land. You have to take, like, sailboats and go between different parts. 
but there's just so much to the game. I mean, the screenshots I've shown here are just two of them. There's dozens of these of wow. maps this size. Wow. And it had digitized sound, uh, even at the beginning, using their StudioWorks hardware cartridge that they actually used to sell. We were talking about earlier about digitizing uh, for Nick's game. And basically, that was an 8-bit, true 8-bit sound input that actually recorded. And you could record multi-track stereo if you wanted to. Um, it also featured in the dungeons. This was unique to this one. The other two Coco Ultima-style clones just did a top view like you're looking at here, just zoomed up. But the, um, the proper dungeons in here actually use true 3D perspective. So if you were looking down a hallway or say an open room and you had pillars and you had like a fountain over here and you had a door over here, you would see the complete distance, almost like a poor man's Wolfenstein. It didn't run quite in real time because, I mean, the Coco were trying to do it back in the day and they hadn't figured out the Sockmaster programming level techniques. But it did have the true perspective. You could see things in front of other things and behind other things going back multiple squares, which at that time I think is the only Coco game that, came out with that level of technology for doing 3D, and this was in 88 or 89, maybe 89, I think. So this well precedes Sockmaster's, you know, gloom demos that came 10 years later. So very sophisticated game. It took three discs, 40-track discs. Each had actually mentioned the ads. You needed a 40-track drive because they couldn't fit it onto 335s. Uh, so it's probably one of the largest Coco games ever done. And then as far as the RPG genre goes, it is definitely the largest game ever done. So... Definitely worthwhile checking out if you're into RPGs or if you want to just see what it looks like. Uh, I'm currently trying to get a hold of Jeff uh, through this guy since they actually know each other personally. Jeff moved to the States. He actually works down, I think, in Silicon Valley or somewhere uh, somewhere on the West Coast. So I'm going to try to get him. I'm going to try to find Dave Triggerson, his former partner, who still lives up in Canada. We're going to try to see if we can set up an interview. And at the very least, if we can't, I'm going to try to get Jeff. Because Jeff used to have a website that actually had the downloadable version of 7th Link with all of the copy protection removed so you can play it properly on emulators and SDC. But his site went down years ago, and unfortunately, I didn't. I can't find the copies I had at one point. So I'm hoping to get the fully opened up versions there to put for download, and I'll get them up on the archive, and I'll link to them from my site as well. Uh, so we'll get them on. But I'm going to try to get Dave and Jeff on for an interview at some point, too, which would be pretty cool. Because, I mean, they did Those Darn Marbles. They did uh, World at War. They did, uh, what else did they do? They did, well, obviously, the Seventh Length. They did Studio Works. They did Defendroid, which they'd started, which they actually apparently got a patent on to duplicate the Defender graphics pretty well dead on. They had really good screenshots. They were advertising Rainbow, but they never did finish because at that time the Coco was starting to die. And they just said, you know what, we can't afford to do the patent rights and and then also produce the game when the market's shrinking. So they, they never did finish it. So we can maybe get the backstory on some of that too. So anyway, that is it for the news. All right. To games. All right. Well, thank you, L. Curtis Boyle, for the Game On News. We're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we'll come back with some of the snoozy newsy. Uh, so how about a little Fletcher to play us into the next segment? Otherwise known as Mikey's Nap Time. Go ahead. All Fletcher right. To play us out. <laughs> to play us out. A little Fletcher for you. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts. 
by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Right. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis. Muppet News Flash. All right, and we are back with Mikey's favorite part of the show, Snooze and Newsy. With L. Curtis Boyle. Take it away, L. Curtis. Shall do. So the first one here was um this this actually came out, I think, just as Coco Talk was on the air last week. So we, we queued it up for here. Um Coco Collector, which is Boise Pete, uh put up episode four, which is a Coco 2, the French version, but he went all out. He actually does the entire episode in French. I don't know if any, we have any French speakers on the panel here that could have translated exactly what he said. Pour cet épisode, on va voir cette Coco 2 de Canada. Parce que cette machine a été fait pour le marché. I was going to ask Nick Moroda, do you actually speak fluent French? Because I don't. Yeah, I understand what he's saying. Okay, can you translate live? Please. Concernant sur cet ordinateur, c'est qu'il a été vendu au Canada dans une boîte bilingue. This computer was sold in Canada by a boîte. Notez la condition. Il a l'air un peu vieux et usé. Et on a voit deux manuels en anglais. Introducing your color computer. Et aussi TRS-80 Color Computer Reference. And a TRS-80 Computer Reference. 
la Styrofoam <laughs> est cassé sur le côté gauche. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Et la Styrofoam de left and right. C'est dans bon shape. En bas, Take il y a quelques. I have to say, that's one of the whitest cocos I've ever seen. Like, that's a pristine color shape there. Et aussi, mm. l'étiquette euh, est certainement aussi bilan en anglais et français. Yeah, I'll play the whole thing, but it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's basically saying the machine's bilingual top and bottom. And... Yeah. It's just interesting going through. I mean, because we've, we've kind of made a joke of finding some of the old Coco Do commercials that you. Uh, you found and stuff too. So it's, it's, it was interesting to have an actual French cocoa you know, on display. <laughs> Now, I, is he traditionally doing the same thing where he said he's been doing these shows of the cocoa collector and then he immediately sells that particular one because he's trying to reduce his inventory somewhat? Like I show, he sold Marty Goodman's, you know, hacked up Cocoa 3, for example. Does anybody know as he put this one up for sale? Don't know. Letting it a chance to check, unfortunately. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Maybe he's keeping it. from Canada one. will bump up the value though. Yeah, should it, right? Might even have proper spelling on the label. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that end of the line RAM upgrade with absolutely empty chip spots everywhere. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, next, uh, Keith here, Chibi Kumas. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his YouTube channel correctly, but uh, he's been doing all these series of uh, CPU machine language tutorials, and we covered one of his last week. Uh, this one here is a new one for the Dragon and Coco specifically. And this shows how to read the uh, joysticks and the keyboard. And he kind of goes through, you know, how it's set up with the PIA matrix, et cetera, et cetera. His, his tutorials are quite good. And he actually default because he's doing a whole bunch of 699 machines right now. He's doing Vectrix and he's doing uh, the Fujitsu FM77. And one of his other episodes actually was explaining to do the exact same thing. How do you read the keyboard and the joysticks on the Fujitsu? So you get to comparatively see how the different approaches of the hardware were done. But his tutorials are quite good. And if you're trying to learn 699 assembly language and you want to write a game, because that's his ultimate purpose here to do it on a Vectrix eventually. And now that he's not just doing generic 6809 stuff, he's actually doing specifically, if you have a Dragon or a Coco, this is how you do it with the hardware you have. So it's a quite a good, good tutorial series. So I would definitely recommend it to people that want to learn machine language. You add it on to the stuff that uh, Paul has done, add it on stuff that Steve Bjork's done. That's another good reference to have. And also he gets into the cross-platform stuff. If you want to take some of your 6809 skills and apply it to one of the other 6809-based machines, he actually covers those too. So, One more Jim Gary thing here, because this wasn't really a game. I stuck it into the uh, regular news. And I'm not a math guy that follows the, you know, Lissa Jew or however you pronounce that, but it's some sort of sine wavy thing, I think. Originally from Lissa, Lissa Jew. Lisa juice. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain what that is, David? Because I'm not familiar with I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. It's basically if you use different sine waves of different frequencies and combine them together and then plot them on an XY axis, that gives you a, a lissajuice pattern. Okay. Oh, it doesn't so have to be sine the waves. Pattern, it, then. Yeah, yeah. Is, it doesn't have to be sine waves, it could be anything actually. You can do it with audio with left and right channels. This is sometimes why you need an analog oscilloscope when a digital oscilloscope just won't do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And what kind of a sine wave do you need to spell out? Do you want another on the bottom? That's what I'm kind of curious on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Very complex one. <laughs> <laughs> and this one I thought I'd plug. It's not strictly Coca related, but since we had Glenn on the show promoting the book, <clears throat> and I think isn't tomorrow the release date? I think officially. Yes, due out August 16th. So this is the full hardcover jacket. So we were talking with him and he wasn't sure about the hardcover coming out. It's now a for sure thing. 
So this is the actual full jacket that surrounds the hardcover version of the book. He's even got some of the reviews in the left that he's got, and he's got a ton of good reviews. I don't know if you guys have been following on Facebook, but he's been getting ones that, you know, more the unexpected ones from him, um, including some That's major really cool. authors. That looks great. Graphics look fantastic. Yeah. I just had a curiosity, like how many people here have actually ordered the book? I haven't ordered it yet because I was kind of waiting for details on the hardcover myself, but. Yeah, I want the I'm hardcover, waiting. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check into that. Yes. Same here. Yeah. Okay. I know we've got to wait on their interviews this, too this, now coming up. So, yeah. got to wait on all this COVID nonsense too to find out what's going on with shipping and you know international. Bit tricky. Yeah, it's it sounds like they're going to probably be bulk shipping some of the books to other countries to ship locally from there, okay. like not doing individual orders. At least in some yeah, countries, okay. that they think they have enough sales to warrant it. Hmm. I don't know if Australia's on that list, but it might help if that actually does happen because I feel I have a better chance of getting a large container of books to one yeah, distribution sure. point in the country and then send it out from there. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, next up, uh, Mr. Klein. Mr. Ron. I put Ralph in here. What the hell did I do that for? It's Ron <laughs> Klein. Sorry. Ralph Klein was a premier of, of uh, Florida. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he released the Cocoa Pie update. Now it includes MAME 0.223. And he's got both the uh, Raspberry Pi 3 and the Raspberry Pi, vor- ris- bleh, Raspberry Pi 4 versions available on GitHub. So I just have the link on the screen here showing the Raspberry Pi 4 version, but the links are actually on uh, the page for both the 3 and the 4, and they should be in the chat too. So Yeah, let me guys- just um, give you a quick footnote there. So one of the things that's supposed to be an option from the, the current version that uh, got released back in June when we demoed it on the show is that this GitHub is built in to the menu where you should just be able to go to your utilities menu and pull up the GitHub and so essentially auto-update your CocoaPie um, and not have to do this. Um, now, I tried it and it didn't work for me and, and, and I'm doing it from the image. So I don't know if there's something glitchy in the original script for this that I've been trying to coordinate with Ron to find out how to get it working. Because when we do get it working, I wanted to do a follow-up video. Because um, <clears throat> one of the things I did when we, when we premiered this back in June is I recorded that little 30-minute tutorial on how to set up the Pi and do the images and things like that. And that video has never been released on its own. It was just a segment on the show. I want to bookend that with the ability to update the GitHub as well as go into the menu and change what version of MAME because even now you can change your MAME versions from your utility menu so you can progress or regress your MAME versions for whatever reason. So the, the step would be go to utilities, choose GitHub, download the new MAME, and then go to your menu and choose the version of MAME you want. So it's a simple three-step process. However, um, step one, didn't work for me and I don't know if it's user error or not. So whenever I can get all of that ironed out, I'm going to record a companion segment to that video, release that whole video as a tutorial, put it on the site. I was I wanted to make that an article for the newsletter, but because I couldn't coordinate with Ron, I, I want to release the information when it's complete. Um, so this GitHub procedure should be automated and we'll make sure that it is. And at some point in time, you shouldn't have to do anything but go to a menu and, and get updates and all that kind of stuff. Okay. That was, now, does it actually tell you that there is an update available, or do you still have to know? It doesn't available? tell you, to my knowledge. Okay. But you can just go to the menu and, and hit the option, and if there's something new, it will pull it. So, Okay. Yeah. 
That's cool because I didn't know any any of that part. So yeah, and I forgot to mention that in the video too. Is there was there's so many features in this image, it's hard to remember them all. You know, so yeah. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, uh, Boys in Tech is doing a bit of a redesign on the hack for the Sound Speech cartridge that will allow it to run on a Coco One at 0.895 megahertz, a Coco Three at 1.78, and a Coco Three Gimme X at 2.86. Uh, unfortunately, his original plan was to try to get an update and like an upper satellite board that did not require any trace cutting in the board. And he discovered some problems with the design doing it that way. And he ends up that you do have to do one small cut trace. So this is the redesigned board. He's currently shooting for early September for release and a current price target of $12. If you're not comfortable doing the cutting of circuit trace on a board, which I probably wouldn't be myself, um, you can obviously send it into Boys in Tech to get it done. Uh, but we are planning on doing some support for this, especially with the Gimme X. Um, in Nitrous 9, for example, once we get to doing the generic sound drivers for various hardware bits there. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that'll work well. But basically, it'll allow you to run Coco 3 double speed with the sound speed track fully functioning properly, which it currently does not unless you do a hardware mod. So I don't know why Tandy didn't do this, but... So it's basically replacing the uh, the CPU generated clock with its own clock, is it right? Or? Yeah. So it's independent of the Cocoa, because right now the current ones depend on the Cocoa speed, and then it just ratches up too yeah, fast yeah. with the chip. And it wouldn't work yeah. at all on a Gimme X, and, and this way it'll work on all three. Well, let's think about this. You just asked why did Tan why did Tandy do that or don't do that? Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, for the fans of the Color Computer Archive... <laughs> William Major has released a major update uh, for his complete Coco SDC image, which is basically everything he's got on the site. He does this every once in a while. So since the last update of one of these, and I think he does these roughly once a year, is that right, Stevie? I don't even know because I've never Ish. I've never used them. <laughs> okay. He's got over 600 new disk images since the last update. Wow. And this is a mixture of applications, oh, wow. games, demos, educational, everything else. So it's 246 megs zipped, which lets you know how big the actual expanded version is. And changes, so this is everything that has been added. And this is the fourth update he's done to the main image. Wow. So here's like regular apps. And there's some right. demos and educational, a whole bunch of games. One thing I've been meaning to ask concerning the, the, the Color Computer Archive, um, I've never tried or never looked into it, but is it possible to, you know, any of us who have written programs or whatever that we want to share can, can they be added to the archive or do you yes. yeah. contact the author or yep. yeah. Anybody everything can... Coca related should be uploaded to the archive okay yeah. so I was just thinking I've had some people with my composite mod I've written a, a calibration program for it and uh, I had it on my Google Drive but it somehow disappeared so I thought I might uh, add it to the archive and it's central to the Coco easy to find yeah. no I've yeah. been putting a lot of my stuff up there even if it's not part of EOU so yeah Definitely upload everything, everything you can. I, I want, like, I'm sure that's his, his, like, Mr. Major's uh, goal too, is to have one central place that you know you can get everything Coco related, mm -hmm. instead of having to hunt around between 20 different websites. I will gradually be changing my website, which has some direct download links from stuff I did, you know, years and years ago, to actually link directly to the archive to the particular page where that particular game is, and you'll just hit the button it'll download it from his site because he's going to keep it much more up to date than I do. So. That's, yeah, that's what I'm contemplating doing with my site too, my 6809cpu.com. I'm going to uh, 
put up the, all, the, all the information about my upgrades and updates and the, the composite mod and all the rest of it. And I'll, like you said, I'll link back to that file on the Color Computer Archive. So it can yeah. be... I, I did a couple tests. Like, I've got a couple of the games on there right now that do this, and that works fine. So it definitely works. It's just a, you know, an H, href link. Yep. But anyway, if, if you want to just, if you're one of those people that just likes to pick and choose, I just want certain apps, I want certain games or something else, you can just go through the archive normally and, and follow as new things are added. Just download them. But if you want a complete collection of everything Koku related, then you might as well just download this and install it on your SDC because then you've got everything possible. Yeah. I have yeah, only looked at this much. recently on the Cocoa Pie itself because Ron Klein has put the Cocoa SDC image on the Cocoa Pie. And then I started browsing it that way. But I've never downloaded an SDC image for my actual Coco SDC because I've just had what – years ago when you bought a Coco SDC, you could get an SD card with you know, an old image. And yeah. that's been my core, and I've just been adding things to that. And so that's I've, what ne- I've, been into, yeah. I've never gotten mm-hmm. you know, the official S- you know, archive image of anything. But I did look at it recently through the Coco Pie, and there is a spit ton of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It, isn't that – isn't the um, isn't it all archive and zip format? Yes. Yep. So it it isn't going to work on uh, SDC. No, you just unzip no, it. You, you download it, extract yeah. it, and copy it to the SD card. Yeah. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. piece. Yeah, just drag and drop the folders. So they're the they're, they're broken into like apps and games and utilities. They're in like parent folders. You right click oh, the zip yeah. file, say unzipped, and you copy it to your SDC card. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands yeah, it's pretty easy. thousands of times. No, nope, it's just one once. Command. Just click and drag. You drag and drop once, and everything goes down there. Yeah, it copies a whole lot in the right directories and everything. Hey, put, put Ronnie Chan back on. You're being a Debbie Downer here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to know how to do it. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. One, you would, oh, I see. You turn it off and on again. It's got like three or four f- main folders that say like apps and games and utilities and music. And then inside those is all the other stuff. But you just drag those four folders to your SD card and then they're there. Okay. And then you can yeah. browse through them through the SD Explorer. All right. Yeah, and yeah. it keeps it nice and organized that way too. Like you can keep your you know actual apps separate from your game separate. Yeah, from and like utilities. when you go to games, there'll be like it's all alphabetical, so there'll be like A, B, C, D. You say all the games with A will be in one folder and B in another, and things like that. And so the big thing yeah. is it's eight dot three, which the SDC needs, which in the Indeed. other part of the archive are not necessarily eight dot three. Yeah, yeah, the ones in the archive, the general ones you see in the general archive are, are more meant for the emulators. We have like honking big file names explaining exactly what the game is, who yeah. wrote it, and what yeah. version it is, but. You'll notice, like here on the screen, you can see on the end of each one here. You yeah, got a, it's got the eight-letter file name, like yeah, con. And that's SDC compatible. Yeah, so yeah. saves you a ton of time renaming because that was one problem I yeah. had definitely. Mm. So we got a couple of MC10 related uh, bits here today too. Aside from the Jim Gary, you know, I recognize that so. rabbit from the earlier demo. <laughs> Correct, that is from the earlier demo. Yeah. Uh, so Curtis F. Kaler and the MC10 group on Facebook, uh, and he's actually one of the people who helped write the graphics editor you saw earlier, showed some output from his TP10 simulator program. Now, you remember the TP10 is a thermal printer. The TP stands for thermal printer, not toilet paper, though that's what I thought it was when I was a kid <laughs> because that's the size of the paper rolls you got. <laughs> <clears throat> but basically, he's got this thing that will emulate any any driver that was trying to go to the TP10 on the MC10 and actually do it on a modern PC, and he's even got different resolutions. So in this case, he's got a 72 DPI sample and a 600 DPI sample. And of course, the, the lower crappy one more simulates what the original TP10 would have looked like. So he's actually showing off like, you know, the double wide character set that that printer had built in and, you know, elongated on off and bolding and semi-graphics and everything else too. So 
if you have an urge to print off some, you know, uh, actual program or using programs on the MC10 itself on the TP10, but doing it on a modern printer, here you go. I just I have one question. Were, mm-hmm. were there nine predecessor models to the TP10? <laughs> um, I think it depends on how much you wiped your butt. That particular day. <laughs> I always wonder why they come up with. They always come up with these TP names, nine. like like oh. the MC10. What happened to the MC1 through nine? Why you know the the, the Tandy part numbers they come up with TP10. Was that because the MC10 TP10 they wanted to pair the little printer with the little computer? It just makes well, me wonder why they. I think it's how many windows they held up before they broke <laughs> under pressure. No, well, unfortunately, <laughs> preparations eight through G were a failure, but preparation H <laughs> yeah. will uh, work. We'll be. No. Adding the uh, TP11 emulation to the PyDrive layer. Thank you. <laughs> Accessible through the deload command. <laughs> Not Clode? Clode. No, no, that would be Dload. Dload. He did paste, uh, uh, if you look at the conversation, he did put, the, uh, put his code up on uh, GitHub and wow, it's Python code, so I might be able to do something with it. Why would you write it, something it, in Python, Mikey, when you could easily use C or I Java? I don't know. The whole world is written in C, so... You know. Another bear to poke. Oh, my gosh. That's it easy sorry, in I, Java? I just yeah. hijacked the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're awake. That's a plus for me. Uh, no, that, uh, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep, Mikey. <laughs> Uh, next up, we kind of we referenced to this earlier when I'm going through some of the Jim Gary stuff here because that last video with the smorgasbord of stuff there, he actually used this particular emulator. <laughs> I'll pronounce it different times every time I say <laughs> it, so it'll just be different. So James Tamer uploaded this here, and it's uh, VMC 1073i, which was a bug fix. But like I said before, this is an MC10 emulator that actually adds in some extra functions that aren't on a real MC10. And uh, Robert Sieg has actually been doing quite a bit of graphic stuff. If you're the MC10 group, you've probably seen some screenshots of some of the higher res, more colors, et cetera, that he's been doing. But if you guys actually want to run MC10 emulation, I think there's another MC10 emulator that's fairly common. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. And plus, of course, MAME does it as well. well but, uh, yeah, MAME has it. And I used uh, VMC10 a couple of times when I was working on the um, MC10 version of uh, PyDriveWire. And it does... Uh, uh, emulate the uh, MCX128, but thanks to um, Tim Lindner. Uh, what's his name? Tim uh, Lindner. Tim, t- yeah, Tim, <laughs> Tim Lindner. They have, we have MCX128 now in Mame as well. So, and you know when he did that, he did that while he was playing Dagrath, like that idiot from the book. The book. Yeah. <laughs> I should also mention too. Darren Ottery actually gave us the official word on the MC10 naming scheme, and actually, 10 was a reference to the weight of the door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Nimble wants to know if you could do it in COBOL, your pie drive wire, COBOL drive wire. <laughs> I, I would say 4chan would work better. Uh, my goodness. Nah, just do I'll, like, just it, I'll just rate it in 6809. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just, just, just go all out and do it in binary. Yeah, right. Yeah, just hand the symbol like Stephen Hirsch did. You know, that's, that's the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I mean. And this, this is kind of hearkening back to a couple of weeks ago when we had a bunch of uh, YouTubers that are quite young, like, uh, you know, teenager or younger type thing. And this is another YouTuber actually did the whole whitening project, you know, the Retrobrite on a Coco 2. And he's also a very, very young fella. So I thought I'd show a little bit of his video here. In Jackson's Antique right, Adventures. And he's got a Radio Shack um, t-shirt, which is I'm awesome. Wow. Oh, cool. This is cool. Video, so come up. 
But yeah, and I, I like this. This is new. I've not seen young people like this getting involved. Look in at all the stuff he's got. He's got a bottle of pe- glass bottle of Pepsi. He's got old radios and CRT. The lamp and the fly swatter. The fly swatter. Holy crap! <laughs> Pencil sharpener. Yeah, I have a fly swatter like that. Yeah. And you notice he's like behind his shoulder there. He's got like Atari Twenty Six Hundred. And then like a wood grain desk. But it just fascinates me. Like I've never seen in the last twenty years of YouTube type stuff. This many young people getting into the retro scene. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. It leaves me hope that we might still have developers that remember some of the stuff we've done 20 years down the line. I really thought, you know, we're going to be the last generation that kind of dies out with us type thing after we shuffle off this. That's a a color computer. See, me and Nedrestein may get finished after all. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to get it out of beta to the point one releases. Beta. Coco in there. Yeah, I'm waiting for the VHS version of Nitrous Nine myself. So, mm. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm holding off for eight tracks. <laughs> Hold up for beta. Real, real tape is what we're planning on, or nine track. You know, mini, mini computer stuff. Nine. 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 Okay, you left. Towel, you left the number label nine. On. Number Dry nine. Yeah, the logo got a little bit damaged here. I don't think so you realized that it probably was this uh, retro. Yeah. Right um, this here's a technique I've never seen here before. Tennis ball. To get and rid of scuffs. So, huh. Oh, because it's kind of semi-abrasive. Yeah. Could also use a magic cool. eraser. And if you look at it. Semi-abrasive, just like this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's sure. attractive it's and distracting. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tastes great. Let's fill it. <laughs> and and you can even go out and play tennis afterwards. So it's, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> He did that really quick too. I guess it must be being young. You mean you yeah, young? You forget Luka. how it was at that age. Yeah. You, could just, <laughs> you could just buff a cocoa with a tennis ball and like. Speaking of seconds. poking it with a stick, it's literally what he's doing. He's poking it with yeah. a stick. <laughs> Don't he's poke the poke bear. Poking <laughs> your poke commands. Did he leave the motherboard in? <laughs> yeah, but it's super clean, man. <laughs> yeah, this is hot bleach, and he's barefoot next to it. So. What? Throw some um, rice in there, dry it out. But it Look turned out quite good here. You can see the, the final result yeah. after doing both abs. Probably not yeah, in a video, because it's, it's not going to be enough to make a full video. But the RF um, box right here is not as powerful as it once was, so either going to have to somehow amplify that oh yeah rf amplifier or just replace the entire thing um if i replace the switch on not just I'm above the rf video, but that's uh, a different spot for the channel selector yeah. a different spot though yeah different yeah. spot yeah doing a video for yeah that's true but i wonder if this is from that, somewhere this else then because a different version of coco's had the like the koreans had the different place that's a that's super clean though I've never yeah, seen he did a that. Good job on this one. That's probably a stand-up. Is right here when it's in proper. Look at that American color. spelling, so it must be uh, a Maybe like uh, Mike, Mark was saying, maybe it's a you know, different versions did have it up there. I actually have an RF modulator that has the switch stacked on right top of it from an American cocoa too. I can't get it out. Looks so like he didn't hurt the label the any. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. You got a little bit of that white scuffing. Um, please. But yeah. overall, he did a really good job, and he's planning on possibly doing a, a summary. Yeah, I like the old wood grain desk. 
Yeah, like he's he's just totally. This whole set is retro. He's no, even got the totally. push button. All, all he needs all is yellowed. Uh, this needs he's a round. He phone, needs actually. a round TV and a lava lamp, and it's poof, got everything. <laughs> the British accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says the video was made in '82. <laughs> the guy's thirty something. One point twenty-one gigawatts. Great, Scott. <laughs> that is that is the full on right there. Yeah, that's legit. And gotta follow this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this 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 has been fascinating. Finding so many of these people, like I found a few in their twenties, and I thought, well, that was pretty cool. They're just you know, right. And and, and, Quinn, and Quinn Good, who's joined us recently, he's, he's somewhat young too, right? Yeah. Well, we've got a few in the 20s, and that kind of makes sense because, I mean, working electronic-wise, like learning soldering and stuff on these older 8-bit machines from the 80s era is much easier than trying to do it on modern-day, you know, 10-layer boards and crap. Oh, absolutely. But as far oh, as man. getting young kids like this young, you know, they might not even hit high school yet, getting interested in this kind of stuff, that's fascinating. To yeah, me. that kid doesn't even look that. like his parents are old enough to appreciate retro, you know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My son's yeah, learning how to really, solder, and I'm tempted. His yeah. grandfather does. It reminds yeah. me. Reminds me a lot of you know. Go back to the day when we were right into it. When we were young kids, you know. I was like, right. you know, 12, right. 12 or thirteen years old, right. or whatever, when I first got into Coco. So. And you'd think like the modern kids would be interested in like phones, you know, doing mobile apps or something. Yeah. Like that. Like no, that's there, really cool. Uh, yeah, these these tape decks and old tuner radios and stuff, man. That's cool <laughs> looking. Yeah, yeah, that kid's parents were born the year I broke Digger two or Digger one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure nice. it's not the grandparents. Oh, nice. but... uh, I, I went to school with his great 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 grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. What's the name of his channel? Oh crap. Um, oh, J- uh, Jason posted it. Jackson's it? Antique Adventures. Jackson's, Jackson's Ant- underscore Antique Adventures. Okay, and it, definitely follow him. It's cool, cool scene. So how does how does that how does that make you feel when he's referring to our childhood computer as an antique? Does that mean that we antique? ourselves are antiques? I've been called <laughs> antique quite a few times. I'm used to it already. <laughs> For classic, and that's just on this show. Yeah. So. Screw the little brat if he thinks I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, oh, he, he was this close to getting a new cassette. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the always politically correct Chet yeah, Simpson. Get back in the Nike factory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I just lost that title. Okay, next item. Uh, we just lost uh, half of our viewers. Yeah, right. That's I think it's right, a division baby. by zero error. Yep, we're just living up to our sophomore <laughs> label. All. <laughs> all, right, all right, so next up, uh, TJB Chris, and I'm trying to remember what our TBJ Chris. What's his real name again? Because he's actually in the Discord now too. It's a uh, TJB Chris. <laughs> but yeah, he's been doing all these, you know, fancier, uh, you know, showing some OS nine stuff and doing stuff on, you know, D load. He did a special on that. So this one he was you know, soding what he calls load M magic, which is actually getting the load M command because the load M command has this ability of having these preambles to change where code loads, and you can have the program jump all over the place. It doesn't have to be contiguous. Um, which some people have used, you know, to load starter screens and you know, you know, text screens or graphic splash screens while the rest of the game's loading that type of thing. You should uh, have a, a warning that some, some of this video sounds like uh, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this is getting into the technical weeds a little bit here, but he actually has a demo where he's actually loading in like a P-Mode 4 screen, immediately followed by an H screen on the Coco 3, all from one load. Um, so I'll just kind of... He goes into the technical details if you want to learn how to actually do this. You can actually see it, so... 
It also goes into some of the differences. He was running this on VCC and it ran perfectly fine on VCC. And when he switched it to real hardware afterwards, it didn't work. And he had to figure out what the difference was between the emulator and the actual code. Do you notice the uh, DVD case to the right of that CM8 there? What game is being shown there? Gunstar. <laughs> Gunstar. Yeah. And also Thexter and Rad Warrior cartridges yes. in there too. Well, there's no accounting for taste, but at least we know Gunstar's in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I must listen to this video now. <laughs> Nick just woke up. <laughs> What's that, Nick? Time to wake up. Nick needs more. <laughs> Nick needs more fuel for his Learjet. So. Fast forward to the. You have the final version of it here. He has the door on his. Yeah. Monitor also. Yeah. That's yeah, a so true. And then. Uh, it's, so do I. Oh, <laughs> so, that's something to brag about, man. That's right, bud. There we go. And if I do rummy buzzard. Never heard that phrase before. <laughs> Actually, he's used it before, too. There we really? go. There's my picture. I loaded cool. all three at once. Yeah, so in this case, he did a load-in command that loaded okay. a small basic program and a Pimo 4 screen to display the picture while and something it's else loading. all simultaneously from one load-in. graphic while it's loading? Or so he's getting a little bit fancy. Show it loading the graphic. Well, for that again, we're going to have to show Well, that's what a lot of the Dragon exactly. games did for those micro okay, deals so with the again. little micro deal, the Cuthbert kid that would show up mm-hmm. while the games were loading and stuff. Yep. Ne- You're typing too fast, dude. I'll just, I'll just um, fast forward <laughs> the vertical. Come on, slow down, bro. Um, so that's what cocaine does to you. Faster than a kid can buff a cocoa to you. Yeah, Actually, one of TJB's trademarks is he's always got his adult beverage. Flip to the high-res graphics screen, and you can hear it, and I'll shut up the next time I do it. You can probably hear the disc head. Obviously, he's not using science you know, loads the loading techniques. Yeah. Now that seems really. But he actually has the program set to give me graphics memory. mode map in the MMU that blocks really needed easy. for it and load now, the picture right on it. So there's no having to run some little you know, outside so program to kick the screen mode on here. and stuff. But I'm going to get into how this worked. And then he actually goes into Finally, the technical weed here, and he has a whole whiteboard, so he's like sophisticated and explaining exactly what he did and how it all works. And, this is and then he goes into the details of the difference between the VCC emulator and the actual physical hardware. Wow. Well, I will let you guys watch it because it gets into the technical weeds, and we've had enough of that on this show already today. So I watched it, and when my oh, no. my uh, need to have a drive layer special hour. <laughs> I like the ribbon though. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the technical weeds, man. I I survived another yeah, meeting man. that should have been should've an been email. An email. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he ran into the one caveat that you have to deal with on this is that when you do a uh, a loadem when it loads everything into memory, um, when it stores a byte into memory, it actually checks to see that it's the same yep. as it's a it's a, it's a protection verification process. process. Yeah, for the for memory, and so if that so if you try to load into the memory, uh, load a, a byte into the MMU when it loads it up, if you don't have the right byte value when it reads back in it's going to be different and it will die that might have been one of the problems that he ran into when he went it from is. the, the for, okay yeah that's that uh, is actually common there's actually a way around that it's a trick that, that, that i figured out back in the day because that region of memory actually has to come from somewhere when you read it and it's actually the very very top of ram at the 7ffff region so if you change that memory beforehand you actually have a much better chance of actually getting some of that done um it's it's actually something that i use for for like uh uh incrementing like the, the task register to go to the next task because when it reads the byte in, since those registers are read on, or write only, it has to read that memory from somewhere so it comes from actual RAM. So if you change that RAM behind that, that's what you get. Um, so there are some tricks that you can do with this, but it, it's, uh, it's a little bit tricky if you don't 
have any insight into it beforehand. Yeah, I mean, in his case, he was just trying to figure out why VCC was running one way and, and the mm -hmm. actual real Coco was not. But yeah, it was exactly what you said there. It was, it was the I.O. stuff that you, you, you don't read back the same value you wrote to it. Right, because the memory is initialized differently when uh, when, you, when VCC versus what you turn on with a random uh, Coco. That, that memory comes back different. If you look at it, it's like, you know, FFFFs, you know, a bunch of FFs, then a bunch of zeros and a bunch of FFFs. That's, you know, kind of how it initializes. But that's not always the same. Uh, Jim, yeah, so it sounds like he hit the exact same thing. You didn't kind of figure out his own way around it too, because right. he did get it eventually working. So yeah, Jim Brain yeah, has there's... some comments out there too. Yeah. <laughs> Jim was saying that the secret is essentially that loadm is a package of individual yep. block load commands. Normally, we think of loadm as just being one of the load commands, but it's a richer structure. And he said he patched basic to not check uh, yep. using the loadm command. And actually, that is one very powerful thing about the loadem command on Coco. I can't remember, did C loadem support the blocks too, or did it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because I oh, always yeah, wonder. So, uh, you had to because you have to load in like a you know a, a splash screen on the. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of that's games. A lot of games would load a, yeah. a splash screen that starts at you know a certain spot of memory, but your code is probably going to be further yep. out, right? So. Yeah. And that's very convenient for things like uh, compiling C programs because they have different sections with uh, your. Um, BSS and your, you know, read only and code and text sections and all that nonsense. Yeah. So having the non contiguous, you know, loading chunks actually was very helpful. And it is in Disk Basic Unraveled. They explain the actual preamble and postamble pieces and how to do the blocks. So it is documented out there. We yeah. the, we it's quite the simple. It's just five byte little packets. It's pretty simple, simple protocol. And the EdTasm assembler, if I remember correctly, forcibly put separate chunks even when it didn't need to because you'll find that looking through a lot of code that was written with edtasm uh where you'll see like a chunk like load 256 bytes here and load the very next 256 bytes and keep going through and yeah. just put in all kinds of crap yeah most of the assemblers are like that because they kept a very small buffer for output yeah I, well my favorite part is that edtasm wouldn't even check to see if it was filling the entire thing so you'd see chunks of the original person's source code just stuck mm -hmm. in places that were unused yeah, it has his original comments and labels and the whole bit. Yeah, it has a through from Circop did that as well. Except I think it's it's chunks were a little small. I think it was like sixty four bytes, to one hundred twenty eight yeah. bytes. I always find that kind of fascinating because I mean a lot of that source code is like long lost, but you can actually get snippets of it from some of these programs if you just dump them out. Mm -hmm. Neat. Yeah, there's there's some in Digger One. Oh, I'll have to take a look. I didn't actually try that one. Uh, this one here is um, a webpage on YouTube called, I don't know how the hell to pronounce this, HeroDov2D. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, huh. he's been doing all these, you know, emulations. I'm assuming this is MAME for everything here. But he actually did start covering Coco stuff just starting a day ago. And he's basically gone through all the different ROM sets. So he's got the like Dragon 64. He's got a Coco 3 NTSC, Coco 3 PAL, Coco 2, 6.09, and 6.809. He hasn't done any of the games yet, though. Like he's got all these other game videos you can see from other systems, <laughs> but on the Coco so far, all he's got is basically he's run some quick little basic programs just to show the basics working. So I'm assuming he's planning on doing like a high retro game lower type thing and actually getting into some of the games later on. Um, so I'm going to try to monitor his page, and if he starts doing that, if he needs any help with any of the stuff there, if he's having trouble getting stuff running, I'll see if I can help him out, and then maybe he'll present some of his videos. Yeah, that's how it all starts. And then next thing you know, it'll be an interview about joysticks. And then from there, the it's white just all... rabbit yeah. starting down the hole. It's all downhill. Um, cool. 
And the so next exciting. one, this will be for Stevie to comment on here because it's about uh, the latest issue of the Glenside Color Computer Club, which actually just came out late last night or this morning. I dropped sure. it this morning. Uh, it's it's okay. been it's been a project that I've been working on for a while. It's long overdue. It was supposed to be out in June. <laughs> We're now in August. Um, a lot of good content in there, and so if you could just go back to the previous tab real quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, and then that, you that's your here. Just scroll down to page two because I, I mentioned who's uh, who the contributors are, which is right here. Okay, so yeah, and a lot of people are actually on the panel today. So I had some great submissions from Alan Murphy and uh, Eric Canales' son and, and Michael Furman and Rick Eulin have all sent me content, and it was really cool because um, – I've been asking for content for the newsletter for a while, and just uh, out of nowhere, this, it just started happening. So Stephen Pereira, 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 um, he had sent out a, something on the mailing list saying, "Hey, I got something I want to put in the newsletter. Who do I reach out to?" Somebody mentioned me, and so I got an, an, a really cool benchmark that Stephen Pereira did, where he's, he wrote a program and he compared it between different eight-bit systems like the Altair and stuff, and then um, and and doing it in fourth and doing it on. Look at that, a crikey! It's a Nick Morenti's ad. Look at that, crikey! Look at that. Um, so um, so yeah, both of our Nicks have big heads today. Yes. Oh <laughs> so, um, so this is a, this is a write up on Deload that Alan Murphy was talking about. So, so it's a nice, good, good article there. Um, and so, yeah. So, so this is probably of of. Oh wow, look at that! Maker of fine cool? fake Australian products. Uh, so, so, like, <laughs> so here, yeah, here's the benchmark. I haven't had to look at it yet. So. Yeah. So cool. And and, so, and he's got the program listings, and he does it in different machines. He does stuff in Deck B and in uh, Basic 09, and he does it in Nitrous 9 Beta 5 with the uh, 6809 and 6309, and he, he marks down the differences. You can see there, right? So Beta 5, 6809, and 6309 mode. So it's kind of cool to see how he's writing these programs in Basic and running them on various machines to see how long it takes them to basically do the same calculation. So it's a pretty cool write-up. And then it, and it has program listings, right? So uh, and, and there's the program written out towards the end. So this was one of the first contributions I got. And then Alan Murphy sent me one. Uh, Michael Furman gave me a nice piece. And then our very own Rick Euland did, right? So so hey, we got program listings, right? So here I wrote up I wrote up a little piece about the new cartridges that are out. So um, this is probably one of the most contentful newsletters that that we've had now in the past two or three ones that I've done. So I want to thank everybody who has contributed, and hopefully we can get more and more contributions, and, and we can we can make the newsletter even more packed with cocoa goodness. So I want to thank everybody who contributed. I want to apologize for it being super duper late, but I, I have been super busy these past two or three months. COVID has Quality not been... over over speed, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, I have not had a lot of downtime like a lot of people have. They're, they're at home doing nothing. I've been doing everything but fun stuff lately. So um, long overdue, but it's I, I'm very happy with this newsletter and I want to thank everybody who contributed to it. So is, is there any other particular articles you want me to highlight and just kind of scroll uh, No, I would just say just read it. It's it's twenty okay. pages. How, how big is the issue this it's this twenty pages. Okay. And other than okay. two full page ads that were just thrown in there. Um, so it's eighteen oh, pages of, of content. So here's Rick oh. Euland's uh, diagram on the PC Junior joysticks and Cocoa threes and it's a nice way if you want to modify a, a PC Junior joystick to work on the Coco. It's a good write-up. So, um, yeah, cool. I, I really like... And then the news compiled by Salvador Garcia. So we got a lot of news in there that Salvador has put together, and uh, which is just a compilation of things that have happened over the past three or four months. You know, so some Ed Snyder stuff and 
uh, updates to the SDC Explorer. You see, we mentioned Rally SG coming out, Ed Snyder's keyboards, Dave Phillipson's new project, and Richard Lorbieski's Coco SDC. So, yeah, it's not some of the news because this is a quarterly. It's not new news. Oh, also the um, the the write up from Eric Canales, president of Glenside, is officially telling everybody that you know Coco Fest is not happening this year. If you didn't know, spoiler alert: there is no Coco Fest this year. So, what? so we got the official um, we got the official word from that. Is so it's been I feel hit. blindsided. Um, the the reason is um, we really don't like Canadians. So oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I had to do with the I doctor. think that's obvious. I thought I had to do with hey. the Dr Pepper shortage. I've been reading. Yeah, that is that is trying to get us to open up the border. Yeah, that that in uh, Jolt Cola. There was we have a shortage in Jolt Cola, so that's been a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That sounds serious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean, I've I this has been in my uh butterfingery hands now for a while this newsletter and and every, you know, it's supposed to come out every 3 months and every 6 to 9 months I managed to deliver and um and this is probably my most favorite one so far. So thanks to all the yeah, contributions. Yeah, I've not had a chance to read it yet, so I'll be doing that later. Is today. it nine weeks late? It's at least nine weeks late. Absolutely. So yeah. And then I wanted to do one. It's not listed in the official news here because I have nothing Uh-oh. to show for it. Unofficial. One. It's unofficial. Uh-oh. It's not on the list. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. You're not on the I'll list. Skip. I'm sorry. You, you can't. You can't go in and see Mr. Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll just shoot him in the face. Um, <laughs> so basically, Bill Bill Noble, who's actually uh, you know the co-conspirator on, on Nitrous Nineties Abuse here, we've been you know fiddling with the Gimme X. We've been finding some bugs. We've been reporting to Ed and stuff here. I wrote a little program that detects if it's there, and also what version of the firmware you have upgraded on it. Which you can get if you have, if you're on the beta test group, you can get that on the uh, the Gimme X channel on Discord. But Bill actually uh, yesterday sent me an image with a new LL Coco SDC driver for it. Um, and we basically what we found out is that the Coco SDC, if you're going through the CPLD programming that actually mimics being a drive controller for the Coco and does two to six byte sectors and all that kind of stuff, that cannot run at 2.86 megahertz. It causes errors and missed data. It sometimes loses commands completely. There's no way to fix that without a firmware upgrade or a faster chip replacing the SDC. But what Bill found out is if he basically if he took the uh, actual physical reading and writing to the SDC dropped it to 1.78 megahertz there, <clears throat> but any buffer transfers and everything else in the system, it works fine at 2.86 megahertz. So he sent me basically a modified Nitrous 90s of use five with this new driver in it. And now you can literally, it boots up in 2.86 megahertz and stays there. Uh, and you can run the entire operating system, G shell games, you name it. Um, loading from the SDC will slow down for bits of it when it's physically talking to the hardware to the slower speed. But like I said, buffer transfers between the system and your your program or whatever else is running at the full speed. So even loading stuff is faster. And uh, I've been fiddling with it and I'm you know trying to experiment with it. As we've discovered before, there are some games under OS 9 that do frame lock. Light Sim 2 is one. All the Sierra games is another, unfortunately. So I have to go f- try to fix those up so we can speed those games up. But, you know, Fra- Fractalus and Cronus Rift and Microscopic Mission and Carmen San Diego and Pac-Man and a few others here all run quite a bit faster. And I put up a little couple of videos last week to kind of show them. But now the whole operating system, like I had to do with these weird little programs in the background, like load the program up in RAM first, go to another window, kick it into triple speed, then go back and play it. You don't have to do any of that anymore. We have 2.86 megahertz basically fully working as it stands now. So we will guarantee that when the GIMIX is officially released, we will be immediately releasing a beta 5.1 
because we're we've added some other stuff to it too since you know 5.0 got released. So there'll be a 5.1 intermittent release with GIMIAC support for the full 2.86 megahertz plus a few through freebies. So we'll give 5.1 for everybody. So you'll have some other things, some of the other optimizations we've done, other programs installed. And then, you know, six will still be a separate thing way further in the future. But at the very least, you will have triple speed fully working under Nitrous 9. Thanks for your work. Yeah, no problem. And uh, we're still working on other stuff. We want to start supporting, you know, the extra palette registers. We want to start supporting uh, a couple layer? of the extra graphics modes and a few other things too. So, I mean, we're, we're still working on other stuff too. Oh, no drive flare yet. No, DriveWire is something that's planned for beta 6. I don't we won't have it ready by 5.1 I don't think depending on I guess how long it takes Ed to release it officially. And we're still working on hardware bugs I mean at this point. So it's mm. it might but for the official version 6 we do want DriveWire in there. So let me ask you when you find a, a hardware bug is it um are the fixes pretty easy or do you have to actually work really hard to get them fixed or Well Ed the, Ed and, and then Gary do that. That's firmware programming, basically. Not quite firmware, but, you know, technically. But you need the USB blaster thing to update it after Ed and, and Gary fix it. And they've, they've done, I think, what, three releases of bug fixes so far? So we're, they're gradually narrowing them down. We're getting more and more closer to the actual release. We're still hitting a few little glitches here and there. So um, I, I can't predict when it'll be done yet. But basically, the reason we're going through this beta test program is that people that have these blasters, the little bits of hardware you plug into a USB port on a Windows machine, that actually reprograms the chip that controls the Gimme X, that simulates the Gimme and adds all the extra features. So basically you have to do this hardware flash upgrade and you have to have this hardware equipment enabled to do that. It's not like the Coco STC, you can actually reprogram it from the Coco itself. That's unique to the STC. Uh, Coco VGA, the Boomerang board, the Triad Plus, um, and the Gimme X all do not have that capability. You need this extra bit of hardware to do it. So the whole reason for this beta test program is for us to be able to go through with some programmers and you know, hardware tinkers and stuff here to make sure in both this basic and in, in, in Nitrous 9 that we get all the bugs worked out first. So when the first actual release goes out, you'll have a fully functioning, you know, hopefully no bugs at all. You still can get it upgraded later on if you have to. But if for some of those people that don't have these extra hardware tools, you may have to send it back to Ed you know, to get it reprogrammed or, you know, find somebody that does have the blaster because he makes them freely available and we'll be making the updates freely available. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It's a simple two-step process. Um, very cool. Does that conclude the news, that Al Curtis Boyle? All right. I got something to share real quick. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to take a commercial break and then we'll come back. Are you have time, Ron, or are you pressed for time? Yeah. Nope. Where are you? Okay, I'm looking at your TV screen. That's why I couldn't find you. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back with project updates, acquisitions, anything else we want to talk about, show and tell, share your feelings, You know, um, talk about how you don't like a particular person's singing ability on a um, you know, Coco Thoughts, anything like that, that we can hmm. do after these words hmm. and for our commercial break let's see we've Triple. done hmm. we've done fletcher i believe tv games are in order so we'll be back after tv games everybody let me turn on my sharing of my sound so nobody has to tell me 14 times while the commercials run i can't hear the commercials here you go now you can hear the commercials and now these messages it's a radio shack merry christmas this year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertained. 
educates, manages, it's expandable, and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2, sale price for Christmas, only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website, and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at CocoMan.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games and their own sale. Get this six game model for $29.95 or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. And whenever we see Terry Steen, we must remind the audience that no furniture was harmed during the making of this Coco Talk (laughs) episode. So we practice safe and responsible broadcasting here. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, Project Updates, Acquisitions, Show and Tell. I believe Ron Delvaux had his hand up first. Um, so, Ron, was there something you wanted to share? Or Yeah, um, just basically I'm going to share my screen. You just saw basically um, Sockmaster's thing. Right. Uh, that was somebody's thing. Yeah. Right. We'll take a look at this. Uh-oh. This is Sockmaster's VW. Oh wow! Look at that. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's got all sixty-four colors on there at once. Doesn't that remind you of? Yeah. I, I saw that and I thought, oh, that's Sockmaster's car. <laughs> it has to be. Look at the color on that. Imagine how long it took to paint. Wow! Look yeah. at that. That's so cool. Uh, it looked like the Jamaican flag right there for a second. <laughs> um, How high do you have to be to do that? Getting really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, man. Look at all those colors, That's man. That's colorful, man. That's like That's vivid, it's, man. 
That's really heavy, man. That really speaks to me, <laughs> Sean's man. Sean's Two mushrooms, man. It's yeah. all it took. <laughs> <laughs> or you could play the geek card. Uh, you know, that spectrum's not quite in the right order. Yeah, well, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually, that's, that's not enough proper Roy G. Biv. Uh, yeah. Um, I punch people like that. <laughs> that's why I get <laughs> That's why I had Sockmaster showing. Oh, that is so cool. That is cool, hey. though. Thank you. You've redeemed hey. yourself. All right, so uh, where are we? Who else wanted to something they wanted to show and tell? Anyone? Uh, Brian Weasler. Brian, what, yes, what have you acquired since we last saw you? Well, let's hear. Uh, one thing I'd like to first show here, um, over my uh, right shoulder, Holy crap. I did, I did some additional shelving right here. How many freaking yeah, cocos you got, Nobody dude. can buy cocos on eBay these <laughs> days. That's <laughs> between you and Ed Snyder. It's a uh, photograph. Come you know, on. You know, what, you know what that stack of cocos looks like? It looks like a teeth whitening chart. It's like, where are, what color are your teeth now? <laughs> and some, what would yes. you like your teeth to be? How much would you yeah. pay? <laughs> there are some there. Sadly, though, and I hate to confess this, this is not all of them. Oh. Um, but what I do have going on here, you can't quite see the bottom, though, but it progresses from the 3001, the uh, Coco 1. Okay. 4K, all the way up through the different models of the Coco 2. Okay. And then the very top one, the yellowed one right there, that's the that's the one that has the composite mod that was installed hmm. uh, from the factory. So this is all the oh, different ones. Plus, yeah. plus I got other models here. So I got like a white Coco 1 here, another uh, Coco 1, and then, mm. oh, that's uh, here. And it's not oh, hoarding if it's all organized, right? So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so no, this is a Coco 2. These are all, everything here is a different model. Wow. Of uh, of Coco, whether it's an A, B, or whatever model of version it might I, be. I hope you recorded all the serial numbers correctly for us to go through. I actually have a, I have a spreadsheet that I track all my equipment oh, in. So yes, actually. We're, we're gonna I, think be, yeah. I think you've outdone the Coco closet <laughs> yeah. by many times over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have any that say color on them? Shots? Yes, I do have some that are, that are Canadian-labeled ones. Yes, all right. That, so uh, will you be doing videos in French by any chance? Um. Uh, I don't know. We? Le Coco du? <laughs> Frodo in the chat room is asking, or saying that no wonder Cocos are so expensive these days. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. I tell you what, there's been a lot of them out there. Um, I do have a picture I can share here, too, if I do a quick share of the I wrote a song here. about it. You want to hear it? Ah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. You may share. Can I comment on that song? <laughs> yes, you can, Ron. Ron, what do you think about my singing? Be honest. Don't hold back. <laughs> So I've been on a little bit of uh, uh, organizing, and uh, let's hear. Is that coming through here? Yeah, it's coming through. Yes. Yep. The okay. picture here. So I've Holy been trying to get all my trying to get all my uh, magazines and books together. Okay. So so the top is like Coco One, um, and uh, the hot or not Coco One, Hot Coco, uh, Coco Magazine, the various uh, those there. This is all rainbow, and this is all my uh, color computer specific. Uh, books and then various TRS-80 and basic books down here. So I've been trying to get that all in one spot rather than... I found organizing that. my old books by stain and smell has worked out very well for me. So <laughs> Yes, you get some that, are, that do kind of have a little bit of an odor to them. Don't <laughs> it's got that, like it's got that old book it. smell. It's my favorite. Mmm, old book smell. <laughs> nice IKEA product placement there with all those... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Brian, do you, do you, magazine do you, boxes. 
yeah, I got the magazine boxes there. The the shelving uh, was actually came from my office. We were doing some remodeling. They were going to toss this out, and so I grabbed this metal shelving. So that was kind of a nice little grab there. It made it really nice to get a so, little organized. So, so are all your color computer magazines like you've got color computer magazine, you've got hot cocoa, you've got color computer news, you got rainbow. Are your collections complete, or are you still got holes in the magazines? Um, the rainbow, I'm missing the very earliest ones that were still kind of a newspaper type. Um, Let's see, like the TRS-80 News, uh, there's a couple issues I'm missing there. I have all the hot cocoa. Um, the, like I said, the TRS-80 News, I think I have just like two issues in 1982 that I'm still trying to get. Um, most of this is complete uh, collections, though, of all of the uh, various magazines. And you are married, right, Brian? What's that? You're married, right? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> married to your hobby. Stop admitting that you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I like I commented on your post, Steve. It's only a problem if you're spending the grocery money. Yeah, grocery right. Bag, so. So. <laughs> <laughs> when you're out so there, you so. Buy, so you only buy unique, like your collections, like done. Like you, you just buy unique of each of each model. Um, yeah, I try to find the different models there. Um, if I see one out there that someone has posted about and I don't see it, then I add it to my list of of finding, and then I just can you know just wait till something pops up and if it's the right so have you paid more than something was worth or something that you wanted to pay just so you could scratch it off your list like have you overpaid just because well i think some things have i think uh sometimes uh uh, sometimes some of the books and things uh yeah because they just don't pop up very often so i may have maybe overpaid and then it it never fails you'll see some book that you don't see for a while so you you pay 30 bucks for the book and then next week there's uh, one that pops up on ebay for five bucks yeah, you know yeah. so sometimes you know you have to just take the gamble and, and i i'm running into a similar because i've been trying to recollect my alfred hitchcock three investigator books and i'm kind of to that point now where i'm, I'm gonna have to either pay 50 dollars for one book which i don't want to do or i've got to buy eight books where i've got six of them and pay like a hundred dollars for eight books and have a bunch of duplicates or pay $50 for one. It's like, what do you do? You know, so you, you, yep. you can run into that problem at some point in time. It's like buying uh, trading cards. You know, you're going to get a bunch of duplicates before you get the one that you're missing, you know, so. Right. Brian, yep. uh, so Brian, do you have a buddy or a friend or a close, you know, comrade that you would be able to give your extra? <laughs> Maybe Extra what? Anything that you would extra. Give your extra. <laughs> Hmm. Well, so like the like the Rainbow Magazine here, I'll use as an example. I had shared this story last summer. Uh, there was that guy that was in Ohio. Unfortunately, I think I'd mentioned this that he had passed away here maybe four months ago. Um, he had posted out there that he had the Rainbow Magazines and uh, he wanted it to be a local pickup. And I reached out to him and I said, "Well, if you don't get anybody local, let me know. I'd be happy to pay for it." So. I did have rainbow magazines. I had some in a box, but they were just various ones that I picked up when I was younger. It interested me or whatever. So I didn't by any means have a near collection. I do have to admit though, this almost all of this rainbow magazine was this guy's collection. Wow. And, uh, basically for the price of shipping, I got all these rainbow magazines. So that is pretty cool. Um, so that was kind of a nice find there. Um, so he really didn't want any money. He just wanted me to cover that cause he didn't want to throw them away. So then also this, uh, the CPM magazines here, it's the last four boxes here. That also was part of his, uh, his collection there. So, I mean, he was, he just wanted to find a home for it. Once I reached out to him, he started, you know, I think I received over up until he passed away. I think I'd received like six different shipments from him of various things and stuff as he was going through stuff, he was moving. So 
you know, and, and we, we see those stories, you know, where somebody uh, happens to run into somebody at the right time at the right moment and, you know, getting rid of something or an estate sale or whatever. Yeah. So, so why is the post office having a rough time right now? I don't understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, then I, I just got just a couple other things here, real quick. I just want to show. Um, you guys might have remembered. I, hey, Brian. I quick question. Yeah. On all those cocos on that little shelf that you've got there, with all the different models and variations of each of the model numbers. Um, are most of those, do they have the warranty stickers intact or not? And if not, I, I, have you I done would, photos of the boards to um, identify all the differences internally? No, no, I haven't done uh, done all that documentation. I would say probably two-thirds of those all have the warranty stickers intact. So that's one thing I try to look for. Wow. Um, if it's not a working model, then and I usually go and break the warranty sticker because I want to get it working. All of these do function. All of these uh, cocos here, I can plug wow. them in and use them. So I have for you a six hundred dollar sticker removal machine. <laughs> sticker <laughs> removal. <laughs> you put it right back on, bud. No, oh, mm-hmm. right back on after it's done. Okay, is, it, <laughs> yeah. is it just a real expensive hair dryer? Is it? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys remember this one here from last year I shared You're here. Making the, the most making, of your car. Yeah, it had this kind of a... Yeah, this this actually robot. was from Australia. That's from Australia. Crikey. Well, I've seen another copy of it, and this one actually came from Australia as well. And uh, it actually is the exact same book. I mean, page for page. The only thing that's different is the cover. Wow, but and the, and the thought, other cover is cooler. Yeah, it's kind of a robotic type yeah. of... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. it's kind of different, yeah. It reminds me of the old Synapse commercials, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of looks then, uh, like a Power <laughs> Ranger or something. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a robot-looking thing. So yeah. yeah, Iron Man almost. So, uh, and then another book I've been wanting to get. This one is actually out there on eBay for a long time. And uh, uh, funny, I, I went ahead and got it for what I thought was a good price. And then now there is one out there for five bucks. The other thing was kind of funny is when I um, looking at the picture, it seemed like it was a much bigger book. Like it might have been. One that's about the size of like a letter sheet of paper or whatever that size is, you know, eight by eleven or something. And when I got the book, it was this small little thing. So I don't know if you can perspective in my hand, but thrilling it's a little games. Are they thrilling games? Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. I have that one. That, that is it in the archive? Um, no. not sure if it's in the archive. No, the Vic version is out there, and an Apple and Atari versions are out there. But I can't find uh, an already scanned version of that one for the Coco. I was thinking perusing it for the Game On Challenge. <laughs> the thing I thought was kind of interesting is this one is that it, it was actually marked up. And uh, so the owner did uh, had his own rating system. I'm not sure if this is coming through or not. There we go. So he had like E, O, and different things. And here's his uh, thing right here. So E, e is, is excellent. Uh, o is okay. And D is dumb. dumb. <laughs> <laughs> man, that game is dumb, man. <laughs> he just got to review the rainbow. <laughs> excellent, okay, and dumb. Dumb. So there you go. But that's all I got. Everything's official rating scale. Um, hey, just real, real quick, and we're not completely pressed for time, but just um, so number one, it's coming up on quarter to six, which would be four hours, which is fine. But I just want to say this. Um, we do have to try to wrap this up reasonably soon because I've let my Florida retro group use my Zoom account for them to do a virtual meeting at 7 p.m. So I'd like us to be wrapped up 
close to six as possible. Just just bear that in mind, but don't rush, rush. Um, thanks, Brian, for sharing that. We had we heard from Ron Delvaux. Who else had something to update? Michael Furman, anything from you? I don't remember. Just, yeah, just very quickly. Uh-huh. So uh, I've, been, I've um, had a little more time to work on PyDriveWire, and uh, I think all the features at this point are in the can for the next uh, minor release, which is... 0.5 Delta, and uh, just we'll spend the next week going through testing, fixing bugs, writing documentation, and I think you guys will get deload and named objects. Neat. Those are the two features that are coming in the next release. So, coming soon. We look forward to that. Very cool. Uh, who else? Anybody else have an update? I don't remember, Brian Schubring, if you had something you wanted to talk about, but you've been muted. No, you're shaking your head no. I hear the rattling. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Nick Morota, anything from you? Um, I've just been – I when I got when I got a couple of my lots of stuff, it came with uh, cassette tapes, and I decided this week to start going through them and seeing if there's anything on there that that is interesting. So I hooked up my C, I hooked up a CCR81 to the Coco 2 and uh, loaded stuff up real old style. That is cool. So what happens what happens if you go to load it and it's you do like a C load and it needed to be a C load M? What I get an FM error. Uh, so you'd have to just rewind a little bit and try it again. Yeah. Female error. But there's actually uh, there's actually some utilities on uh, tape utilities that will do a directory for you which goes through the whole tape and oh, lists wow. what's on there, what type of file it is, what the addresses are. So, it uh, used a skip f quote x quote uh, trick to do that too, but you have to sit there and just watch it and write down each file name as it goes by. Yeah, so it's just kind of really fun <laughs> retro, like, and it's working surprisingly well. Like they're loading pretty. It seems pretty. Uh, like when I first got my Coco, I hated trying to load stuff off my MP3 player or whatever. But after right. set, it seems to be pretty simple. Once you get, uh, the, once you yeah. get the level set, it's usually pretty. It's pretty consistent yeah. usually. Yeah. What's that uh, crappy game you have running in the background there? No, um, no, I have buzzer bait running. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Probably, You thought it was Lancer, I guess, but no, no, it's buzzer bait. It's... Yeah, but then when we saw it didn't have quality, so we knew it wasn't Lancer anymore. So. Well, there's more than four enemies on the screen, so it can't be Lancer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, no physics on the screen either. You know Lancer has a limit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Save it for November, Nick. So. Oh, it's time for the outro. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> anybody else have any project updates? Uh, Chet Simpson, anything to update us on Digger releases or anything? And no, but if all if everything goes all right, this will be the last weekend I'm working on it. Um, how are the sales numbers so far on those free downloads? So far, they are <laughs> out, uh, they are off the charts, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm I'm, I'm very impressed. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've got I've got that that zero. <laughs> looks impressed. You could, you know, your this is your decision to not charge for it. People would buy, pay for it. Happily. Oh, I know they, I, I know they would, but you know, that's uh, that, that, that's cool. I'll just, uh, I'm going to release it for free anyway. And uh, you mentioned good people good. feel free to donate to a charity. Sure. Um, I donate to charity all the time. Charity's a stripper. I go and see, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Anyone else? Anyone else have an update and acquisition? Uh, Jason Riker, do you have Sarah tied up in a in the back seat there anywhere? Um, no, no. Okay. She's, she's, she's just fine. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get a newspaper and she can hold it up later. Proof <laughs> <laughs> <Truth> of life. <laughs> Remember the safe word, Sarah. 
Asparagus. Asparagus. We need to. Asparagus has been called. It's time to press the button, Frank. All right. So we um, don't even know know that. Yeah. So I, I, you can maybe see behind me, and let me see if I like do like what she said, and we'll try to make it a little bigger. Um, But I've been trying to organize, trying to organize my office, and I'll get out of the way here. But you can kind of see this shelving unit behind me here. On my bottom shelf here, I've got Tandy 1000, Coco MC10. Then I've got my new Commodore 64, my Apple II, and Atari. And then I've got my retro game collections here. So I'm trying to get my crap organized and get my office organized. And I'm almost there. And when I get everything organized, I will be doing um, like a proper 360 video of my new office studio workspace and I'll show it off for project updates and acquisitions which will hopefully be uh, maybe by next week we're, we're almost there and in the process of doing that I've actually downsized in, in a way I, I've been running three screens for a while and I've been finding now with the way OBS works in the live chat I kind of don't need a third screen and that was doing that so in lieu of the three mismatched screens I used to have I now have two matched screens so I've got two matching monitors for the first time in my life and it's interesting and so are those systems all functional Stevie uh yeah I'm I'm pretty sure yeah the um the the Super Nintendo I'm pretty sure works I just need to get the right adapter and the NES I have a new 72 pin adapter I just haven't switched out for it yet but yeah I'd say 99% of everything works or Cool. It's easy to get working. So, good stuff. Nice shelf, Stevie. So yeah, the, you know, and here's the problem too. That shelf, everything's everything sounds good in my head, and I think about, oh man, this is gonna be great, and this is awesome. And then you get in here, and it's like, holy fluster cluck. It's like I can't even walk through here now. It's you know, so <laughs> you, you you every time I try to do something, it just doesn't work out exactly how I intended. But we're getting there. Um, so, uh, totally yeah, so on, on one side over here, I've got a plastic, like one of those fold up white plastic tables. I plan on actually getting rid of that and I'm going to move this shelf behind me over to the other wall where it's, cause I'm like, I have to cut around it to walk into the room. It comes out like 18 inches from the doorway. So it's almost like you're walking through a small hallway to get into my room and it's just weird. It's awkward. So we're going to move that. Um, We've yeah. tried and tried uh, to arrange that room. It's time to get a bigger room. Uh, I do. I th- I'm thinking about coming to Arizona and getting a garage. So, yeah, that's, ne- that's next. Rotating gazebo outside yeah. of your window. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, so that's that's been my, like, work in progress now for, like, three weeks now. I've been working on this crap hole of a room that I call my office. So. Uh, and that's it. Kids, the kids are going to move out eventually. Yeah, yeah, they keep keep threatening to. Um Excellent. All right. How about we just we're going to press the button and then we'll be back with final final thoughts. Thanks, everybody. This has been fun. Uh, I'm trying to get back into the groove of running the show. Hopefully I did an okay job. I'm no uh, Rob Inman, but, you know, I'm no Mark Bosley here, but we'll do what we can. All right. We'll be back after this. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world.
consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. And we're back for final thoughts. What a jam-packed show, huh? We had Simon Jonasson's demo. We had Nick Morenti's world premiere of his new Pipes game with multi-voice music and nine colors. We had... Yeah, I was thinking he, sh- he should have had bagpipes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got, that, cool. we've got that in Run Dino Run, don't we? We have some of that stuff, so... Um, I've got, I've got bagpipes in the in the fairlight behind me here. Oh yeah, <laughs> excellent! A yeah, great job last week on the show. I didn't, I haven't watched the video, but I was listening to the podcast when I got some drive time, and I got almost to the fairlight part. Yeah, the Peter guy sounded really interesting. It sounds like it's a good segment, so I'm going to probably want to go back and watch that one with the videos of all the pictures of the inside of that Coco. It looked like you guys got some great discussions out of that, going through that system. So, yeah. Yeah, this show has been the melting pot of everybody who's on it. This show is great because of everybody who comes together every week. And I just want to thank you guys for the past two or three weeks doing your day shows and your evening shows and the late night news and all that kind of stuff. Great team effort. Thanks for keeping the flame alive and all that kind of stuff. I really appreciate you guys. And appreciate we appreciate the audience and everybody else here with us. Uh, parting thoughts and final words. Mark Bosley, anything to uh, tell the folks at home? Nah, I've just been gone for the last two weeks. Glad to be home. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Nick Marota, anything to say to your fans? There's there's hundreds of them out there right now. Just it's a really cool time to be into the Coco. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it's just it's pretty interesting that there's a, this resurgence of interest. Absolutely. Jason Reichert, anything you want to tell us that Sarah gives you permission to? Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> he put that well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have I don't have to clear any statement with the with her, but, uh, right Coco early and Coco off. That's awesome. Brian Weasler does not have a problem because he's got it under control and he's got it organized. Any parting thoughts for you, Brian? 
No, just keep on uh, keep the cocoa flame alive. Uh, keep Go it on. alive. Keep the fan the the flame fanned. And Alan Murphy, anything for the folks at home? Any words of advice? Oh yeah, thanks to the uh, guests today. Appreciated uh, seeing pipes going, and and there's just so much going on that it's almost more going on now than I remember back in the day. So thanks to everybody for, for keeping that going. And Rick Eulen, anything you want to say to your fans out there, fans of the beard? I just wanted to warn Jason that he needs to really go after these guys. What? Oh, is that gonna? Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's the Boosteroo headphone adapter. The Boosteroo. A Boosteroo. That's gonna be a good deal. With a term like boost, you know, it sounds like it's stolen. Yeah, Brian Schubring, you're muted. But anything you want to let the folks at home know, you're still muted. That's okay. You sound best muted. You look good in the dark. Uh, <laughs> you're still muted. You're still muted. Maybe you're telling me what you think about that last comment so nobody can hear it. Uh, Sounds great. We'll, we'll pass on. Okay, here we go. There you go. <laughs> Just a few cores of blow us away. Okay. <laughs> all right. That was, that was totally worth it. Uh, Chet Simpson, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, by Timberman. Great game. By Timber. There you go. From HIO. <laughs> Excellent. Mikey. Uh, drive wire, drive often. Drive wire, drive. Now, what now? Honestly, now, um, Python. Why, why did you write it in Python again when you could have done it in C? Um, <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> Ron Delvaux. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Delvaux, music critic to the stars. Delvaux's Observatory, Fountain Hills, Arizona. All right, what's the last four of your uh, of your social and your PIN number to your ATM card? Uh, it's my new shirt I made for my observatory. That's cool. I saw a picture of you and the lovely wife wearing that one. Looks yeah. good. Looks good. L. Curtis Boyle, maker of Nitrous 9 and optimized drivers. Anything? Um, well, we'll keep, keep your ears peeled out for any more stuff we're adding for the Gimme X here to get released by the time the Gimme X hardware is actually released. So we're hoping to get some extra things in there. And also just uh, kind of, you know, jumping on what other people have said here too, just seeing that the Cocoa is getting, seems to be getting more popular and it's getting popular with the young crowd. That's, that's the part that most floors me. You know, 10 to 12-year-olds, et cetera, are getting interested in that. That's, that's amazing. Absolutely. It's nice to see somebody on 12 years old on YouTube not playing Fortnite. Uh, David O'Connor, you have the last word, sir. Okay. Now that I have this wonderful, oops, nearly broke it. <laughs> fair like sitting behind me. Oh, <laughs> fair like sitting behind me. My uh, Coco music album is going to start progressing again, and the Cocos oh, yeah. will be all over it. And there will be lots of authentic 80s retro music in Coco music, all played by Cocos in a fair like. That is nice. awesome. We look forward to that. On behalf of everyone and everyone everywhere except for the Commodore community, we wish you all the very best. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Take care. Nanu, nanu. Bye-bye now. Happy birthday, Coco. Happy birthday, Coco. Hey, bud.